is Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus. Hey, what's going on, everyone? Happy Thursday to you. Welcome to another edition of Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Huss and Reem with you. Lots of Jets talk coming up after the team uh, played last night against the Calgary Flames in... Uh, Listen, this is that was no Picasso, that is for sure. But a few noteworthy moments last night, including a cheap shot that, um, well, certainly Brendan Dillon and the rest of the Winnipeg Jets didn't appreciate. We'll have an update on Cole Perfetti coming up, the latest on Nikolai Ehlers. New groups right now as the uh, team kind of gets into the next phase of training camp, as well as a young man that we haven't talked a lot about almost at all sort of making a name for himself last night in Parker Ford. So we're going to get to all of that. Looking forward to having Brandon Rewicki jump on with us first. Murata Tesh then uh, after that. And there is a lot in the athletic right now in the Winnipeg Jets. Sean Gentili's got a piece and Dom Lucician's got the preview for the season for the Winnipeg Jets. And um, obviously we'll get the latest from Murata on uh, how he's been seeing things over this uh, last week of training camp or so. Later on, we will get to the cool bet lines. Ryder Cup begins tonight or early tomorrow morning. So we'll touch on that a little bit. And looking forward to having Alec Jones from The Athletic covering the Minnesota Vikings jump on the program. We'll get the latest on what's happening in the Twin Cities with the 0-3 Vikes, as well as a big NFC North matchup on Thursday night football at Lambeau Field between the Detroit Lions and the Green Bay Packers. So it should be a great show. Great to have you all with us. Just before we get to it, and welcome, Mike. It's Remus said a big thanks to the sponsors that make this show happen every day. Princess Auto, Cool Bet Canada, Consolidated Supply, Boston Pizza, Royal Sports, Little Brown Jug Brewing, Breezy Bend Golf and Country Club, Assiniboia Downs, Nick and Nicky DQ, F Apparel, Wallace and Wallace, Vita Health Fresh Market, Canadian Club, Manitoba Battery, Aquatech and Modern Man Barbershop. And of course, we'll get to a why not question of the day for our friends at Not Autocorp over at Waverly and McGilvery. Let's get this show on the road. Shout out to everybody in chat. Hit that subscribe button if you haven't already as we count down to 10K, hopefully in time for the drop of the puck on October 11th. Remus, get in here. What's up, buddy? How are you? 10K, 10K. Yeah, counting down. Feeling good, Huss. Nice to be out at uh, Canada Life Center last night, checking out the Jets preseason, although it was a bit... I know, a bit of a snoozer. I mean, the Jets are really struggling to get shots on goal. Uh, what, they have three after the first period and four? In the second, it seems like everything was getting blocked. But look, uh, I see T. Conapoli with the super chat. What's up, T. Conapoli? You know, he's smiling after seeing Tyrell Bauer, his boy, drop the gloves. And, That's where uh, all the shots were in the first period. You want <laughs> yeah. the shots? They were all from Tyrell Bauer's fists on that guy that he fought. Listen, dude, that was... That was a heavyweight tilt. And we said yesterday that, you know, with the lineup that Calgary was bringing and the fact that VL and Stanley and in particular Bauer were in the lineup, that there might be some preseason fisticuffs. And there certainly was with that tilt minute 20 in first shift. Bauer came as advertised and holy smokes. I mean, he switched at one point to lefty. Then he went back to righty and the linesman let those big boys throw him for a while. Um, Listen, Bauer's got a lot of work to do, I think, to be an NHL regular on the defensive side of the game. But holy smokes, when it comes to size, strength, and ability to toss the knuckles, um, 
he certainly would be at the top of that list. That got a lot of people talking, but that really was the uh, most noteworthy moment of the first period, maybe really the first half. Outside of J- Jansen Harkin's goal, which was started by a really clever play, a challenge takeaway by Declan Chisholm, a quick, uh, quick pass up, and the next thing you knew, Jansen Harkins was getting on the board. Yeah, I was actually going to say the biggest cheer in the arena was when they showed Dancing Gabe on the Jumbotron for a stretch there. It was pretty drowsy. Uh, that seemed to bring bring a little life into the arena. Um, I will add, it was my first time there. I didn't recognize walking in with these renovations. We'll get a nice tour of that uh, next week. But if you haven't come, you know, checked it out. Uh, very cool. What's What's going on? But as far as the game, yeah, Jansen Harkins, they see him get on the board. Nifty pass from Parker Ford, who has entered the conversation into 13th forward discussion uh, with an assist there and a beautiful shot on the power play one-timer. And Parker Ford getting a lot of comparisons to Brandon Tanev, six-foot guy with a motor, energy, uh, went to the same school as Brandon Tanev and... Again, we never, like, did we even mention it? He signed as an undrafted free agent like Brandon Tanev um, in March, he did. And I don't think we talked about it all. He played with the it, Moose. It was a footnote, if anything. Yeah, uh, There he, was no deep dive on Parker Ford last no. March when they signed him as an NCAA free agent after his time at, uh, I believe, Providence. Yeah, he, he scored about four points in eight games with the Moose. Um yeah, so he a lot a lot of similarities there with Brandon Tanev, and if you're the Jets, you hope it works out uh, the same way. But again, hadn't talked about him at all, and here he is now. You look at the groups today, Huss, uh, the Jets tweeting them out, and Parker Ford was on uh, the main group because now at this point at training camp, it's been a week. They've separated them into you know the veteran group, which is the NHL group, and the the Moose group. As I go to bring them up here, yeah. Um... Listen, Parker Ford stood out last night, and he scored that goal, and he almost had another about a minute later on. And listen, it was a pretty drowsy game, and you know it was a sparse crowd for the preseason, but the people that were there were really trying to get into it. Shout out Section 316. Um, and Parker Ford was a guy that a lot of people were kind of talking about at the intermission, like, wait a second, who the heck is that guy number 73? But as you see these groups... 73. Uh, 73. I listen, I, I could I could go on and on about I honestly think this is just a quick aside, and I was thinking about this last game. You know, when Logan Stanley became an NHL or an NHL regular, big missed opportunity to change his number from training camp number sixty-four to a legit NHL number. Because yeah. honestly, right now, when you throw him out of sixty-four with sixty-five, sixty-seven, and seventy-three, um, put it this way, looks all of a player that is just challenging to uh, stick around for another exhibition game. But anyways, I digress. Uh, Group B has Ashton Sautner, Harkins, Toninato, Veal, um, Oscari Salmonson, Torgerson, Lundmark, the youngsters, Brad Lambert and Chaz Lucius, Bauer, Elias Salmonson, who almost certainly will be heading back to Sweden at some point, Kuhlman, Malat, Delia, Nizev, Axel, Reichel and Dean Stewart. <clears throat> so group A is basically the Jets. Um, I mean, that will be the roster. David Gustafson's there and Parker Ford is still uh, still there. And 
listen, credit to Parker Ford for playing his way into a conversation that, let's face it, we have not been including him until this point. I still expect David Gustafson to be that 13th forward. But tell you what, you play with the energy um, that Ford did last night and in the previous game. He, um, there's always one guy that comes in and makes it a very, very difficult decision for a club to to cut them. And listen, he's earned himself a little bit more time with the big club, with Group A, if you will. I think the odds are still long for him to start the season ahead of David Gustafson, but that's what the preseason is about, Remus. And 73, Ford, who a lot of people had never heard of before last night, um, you know, getting into the conversation. Yeah, and shout out to uh, Frosty, Frosty in the Winnipeg Sports Talk Discord server last night. Guys, a bunch of guys chatting. He's throwing in the Parker Ford like car dealership uh, memes, uh, you know. <laughs> like, so, but uh, you know, a couple other notes from the groups today. Um, no Mason Appleton, no Nate Schmidt. They're not listed. They're day to day. A couple other players with dealing with injury. No uh, Cabo Bianco, Chibrikov, Bon Giovanni, Jilkin, day-to-day, and Cole Perfetti, what skated with another group. He took that dirty hit yesterday from Pospisil, uh, elbow to the head, like in between plays, like so unnecessary. Uh, he left the game. Sounds like it was precautionary. Sounds like he's going to be okay. And uh, Nikolai Ehlers did speak. I hope to have that audio Later on in the show, he skated with he skated with the A group, which was good. And he, but he's wearing a yellow non-contact. Seems like they hope to have him in the lineup on Monday's preseason game in Calgary. So good news about Nikolai Ehlers. Um, seems like they avoided anything serious with Cole Perfetti. And so the two guys who who were, had injury problems last year, like don't don't get hurt this year. And, you know, 17 minutes into training camp, we talked about Ehlers all last week and Perfetti. I mean. I, I don't know what Perfetti could have done. I mean, it's in between whistles. He's skating next was, to a guy who's way bigger, and the guy just elbows him in the in the head like the it dumbest. Was garbage. Like and like Brick Bonus, yeah, said it was cheap shot. Like Brandon Dillon on CJOBs called it bullshit after. I mean, it's a joke. Like it's preseason, what are in between play from a guy who's way bigger? Like like real tough. Uh, real tough. Uh, who has, who hit him? Pospisil, like real but tough yeah, guy. Martin, Martin Pospisil, a fourth rounder in 2018. He's played the last few years in the American Hockey League. Has never played a game in the National League, and uh, he's public enemy number one here. At least was leaving Canada Life Center last night. And um, I do you have the clip from Brendan Dillon? Yeah, I think everyone is quite pissed. And by the way, listen, I don't think Logan Stanley did much. To help himself, I mean, it wasn't like he was standing out last night, um, you know, uh, defensively. But I will give him credit for very quickly dropping the clubs and getting in to try to uh, exact a little bit of retribution on Pospisil. Um, And obviously Pospisil didn't want anything to do with Logan Stanley. Maybe think about that before you do a ridiculous cheap shot on an unsuspecting player like Cole Perfetti. Um, So he got in there and it was weird. the, the The refs were muted. And yeah, at the big start, mute issue. Looked, yeah, there was a mute <laughs> issue. Uh, it was sound familiar, WSTers? It's not just Reem. Don't don't blame him. Um, and yeah, and maybe the audio gremlin, the WST audio gremlin, was down in the penalty box last night. Originally, the way that they had announced it um, was that there was a match penalty to Pospisil, so five in a game, and then Stanley had gotten two minutes, 
for instigating and five minutes for fighting. And the Jets were actually shorthanded for two minutes. Now, they did add a five-minute fighting major to Pospisil um, just basically for eating a few from Stanley. And the Jets did get that the, did end up getting a three-minute power play. But it was a little bit confusing. But the bottom line was it was an absolute BS hit. The game doesn't need it. You see these at times with guys that have no chance of being on the roster trying to make a name for themselves. But Brendan Dillon spoke on the OB uh, post-game show afterwards and um, was still pissed off about uh, what happened to Cole Perfetti. Yeah, I touched on the uh, the emotion of the game here. Jeez, that was crazy. I feel like it was <laughs> almost had a little bit of like a, like a regular season down crunch time, you know, spirit and emotion to it. I mean, two, two physical teams. I mean, there was... Uh, some heavy body checks out there, uh, a little bit of extra, extra emotion. I mean, I can't believe, like, what a bullshit, uh, you know, elbow. I haven't really seen the full replay yet on, on Fets, but, um, yeah, really frustrating when that happens. I mean, I'm glad we were able to score and then make them pay there, but, um, yeah, it's just, uh, it was a weird one tonight. Lots of emotion for sure. Those are the fun ones to play in. All right, so there's uh, Brendan <laughs> Dillon uh, on a <laughs> great line and just so casually dropping that on the OB post game show, but, um, I don't think there was anyone that was listening that wasn't in full agreement with what Dylan had to say about that play in particular. I love that. I was I had to pull over and tweet out uh, that he said that. I was because it's just it's just casual, so casual having conversation with uh, Paul and Kelly and, and Mitch, and it was it was a bullshit uh, hit. Like, what are you like? Why like why is that a necessary play? And uh, Jacob, you know, people are retweeting a tweet from Jacob Stoller. Uh, who's with the Hockey News and Yahoo, I, this Pospisil, Martin Pospisil, gave Perfetti a high hit back in 2021, uh, March 2021, with the Moose. So, I mean, real tough guy, like a bigger guy targeting Cole Perfetti. Real real tough. Like, so, you know, uh, if you're going to hit a guy, like, if you're going to hit a guy who's small, like, wait, do it during the play. Like, not between whistles. Like, such a hey. joke. We already all have the Minnesota games circled on the calendar this year because of what happened at the end of last season. Should we now be getting the Moose schedule and figuring out when the Moose are playing the Calgary Wranglers? Yeah. For T. Quanapalli's guy, Tyrell Bauer, to go and pay a little visit to Mr. Pospisil and remind him about how BS that move was last night? We should all go and yeah, and just boo him and bring like signs like with thumbs down, like Pospisil, like, and then boo him because that's just like why, like why? And it's not even like like there's a lot of Never talk. Mind signs. Let's just bring. Let's just show up with a stretcher. We're ready for you, Pospisil, and so is Bauer. Uh, you know, there's a lot of talk about Mark Stone getting hit in their game. At least that hit was, you know, part of hockey. It was part of the play. Like, you know, it's just two guys skating beside each other after a whistle, and you give them a little elbow to the head. It's just dumb. So, you know, we'll see. Like, nothing, nothing's going to happen from it. But, you know, it's like Ehlers got hurt on the Hartman. He's back-checking, and Hartman just laid him out. Like, didn't even have the puck. So, I mean, it sucks when these guys get hurt, and it's from non-hockey plays. No doubt about it. Um, listen, Brandon's coming up in just a couple of minutes, but let's just hear a little bit more from the aftermath of last night's game. We've got some clips from Parker Ford for a little bit later on, uh, but we'll start off with Bones, and uh, Bones spoke afterwards, and uh, here's how what he had to say post-game about the uh, that late blindside hit on uh, Cole Perfetti. The cheap shot and hit. 
and the referee's got it right. Good for the referees to take a look at it. It's a complete headshot. It's a cheap shot. Simple as that. So I'm glad the referees did what they did, and Cole uh, will be reevaluated in the morning. All right, so there's uh, Bones, and as far as uh, Cole, um, he skated with a smaller group today, I think just being very careful at this point in the year with Perfetti after uh, after what happened last night. Uh, Appleton apparently has a lower body injury, as does Nate Schmidt. They're both day-to-day. And the good news was Nikolai Ehlers did skate in the yellow non-contact jersey. Hope The hope is that he'll play Monday against these Calgary Flames on the road. But as we mentioned, Parker Ford um, certainly stood out last night. And uh, Bones talked about Ford post-game yesterday and his thoughts on number 73's game. He's made an impression. He's a spunky little guy, man. He's out there. He's on the puck. He's got great confidence with the puck. One of the things you watch in, in practice is, okay, who's got a good release and who's got a, you know, his goal scorers know where to put the puck on the net. He's got that touch, but he's got a great release. Um, uh, Rima, why don't you just hit on five while we're talking about Parker Ford because uh, there was a little bit more on Parker Ford from Bones as he continued his post-game availability. It's like I said this morning, you want guys to step up and say, I can help your team. I can make you a better team. And that's what he's trying to do. Uh, give, him, give him full marks. He's, in, uh, he's out there. And the last two games, you notice him. He's, he's strong on his feet. Um, he's not afraid. He sticks his nose in there, and he's got a, he's got a good sense for the net. All right, so Bones on uh, Parker Ford. And then here's a little bit of a more expansive answer from Bones on that battle for the 13th forward that certainly Parker Ford seems to be right in the middle of, along with David Gustafson, after a number of the other individuals that we speculated were competing for that spot have now been moved to that Group B or uh, project to be Manitoba Moose Group. It's wide open, and, and they're making it tough. Parker's, you know, all of a sudden, Parker Ford's in that mix, right? You, so we're going into camp, you're not looking at Parker Ford fighting for that spot, and all of a sudden he is. So it might it not just might be the thirteenth, maybe it's the twelfth, maybe it's eleventh, right? So we got three more games and so let them uh, let them continue to battle it out. On that spot on your roster, you know, how important is it that whatever level that player is at, they're very consistent in that, so you don't have to think about what quality you're getting. When you're in that role, the coach has to know exactly what he's going to get when he puts you on the ice. And whatever you bring, you've got to do it every shift, every night. You've got to be very consistent. You can't put a guy in that role and say, well, we're not sure what we're going to get shift to shift, game to game. You put a player in that 12, 13, 11, 12, 13, you've got to know what you're going to get every shift. All right, so there's Rick Bonus. As we mentioned right off the top with the moves that were made today within the groups, it looks like it's Parker Ford and David Gustafson right now battling for that 13th forward spot. Um, let's just get to clip four, Rima. I, I did mention Logan Stanley um, coming to the aid, if you will, of Cole Perfetti, a little bit of retribution afterwards, dropping the gloves. Um, Bones was asked about Logan Stanley and uh, his response last night um, post-game. It's our rink, and for somebody to take a cheap shot at one of our key guys, you have to you have to respond. So I'll work from that. I love what Logan did. Um, if we take penalties, some of the penalties tonight, we don't need to take. But that's that's to me, that's a great. We'll, we'll kill it. You know, if we take a minor doing that, it's up to our penalty killers to go out there and kill that. That is a good minor to take. Nobody can come into this rink. We're a family. We're they go after one of us. They're going to go after all of us. Logan did the absolute right thing, and then it's up to the penalty killers to go out there and do the job, and they did. 
Yeah, Remy, I mean, uh, as much it was a BS play that, um, you know, was dangerous to Cole Perfetti, um, in a lot of ways it was an opportunity for Logan Stanley to do something that uh, obviously was very important to Rick Bonus. The, the response from a player immediately afterwards, something like that happens. Yeah, you see Tyrell Bauer dropping the gloves early and you know, a bit of somewhat comparable that they're just bigger, you know, defensemen. And Logan Stanley steps in and says, hey, I can uh, drop the gloves too. And uh, throws down. Oh, it did remove him from the game, which for a guy who's battling, uh, what, for the seventh defenseman spot, maybe not ideal, but I think it was acknowledged what he did. But it did give Billy Hainala, like, because they were short of defensemen, like, record, I think, play close to 30 minutes. Uh, Huss. So I think he really was able to shine in that spot. And now with what Capo Bianco day to day and Schmidt day to day, you have to wonder uh, what's going to happen with these injuries. And you have to think the Jets are going to be able, you know, if like uh, Cabrianco, they said groin or something. Those could last a while. And I think because guys like, uh, you know, they have Stanley uh, Chisholm played uh, pretty well. He's played pretty well this preseason too, because they have those guys. You wonder if they uh, take it a bit slower and more cautious uh, with those other injuries. Um, we'll uh, get into more of this with uh, Rewiki coming up uh, in a minute, as well as Marat Atesh. A uh, couple other things that we should mention, Reem. Um, waivers has just opened. For the first time this season. So we may, well, I guess we'll probably get a waiver report tomorrow unless uh, it's made public right now. But we are going to start seeing, uh, we are going to start seeing some uh, players being sent down and cut and sent to the American Hockey League. And uh, we'll wait for the first official time the Winnipeg Jets do that, sending players to the Moose and then the Moose getting underway with their training camp. Um you know, we didn't touch on this yesterday, but uh, how about Pascal Vincent moving Patrick Line to center with Columbus playing with Johnny Gaudreau? Yeah, Pascal Vincent coming in, the head coach. It's amazing the number of former Jets there. You got uh, Line, who I think you still see a lot of jer- Line A jerseys uh, at the games, hasn't he? Because they were, you know, so heavily discounted after they they traded him, but. Uh, Pascal Vincent has come in, and something interesting, he's trying it out, putting Patrick Laine at center, saying he really wants to do it. If it doesn't work, we haven't lost anything because he can go back on the wing and has a better understanding. Uh, it's a win-win. So I think a, there's a, a lot of Laine fans still here. Hus, he's a great personality, and him at center is certainly interesting as we take a look a, around the league. A lot of eyes on Columbus, you know, with the coaching change and, I mean, we're still talking about, the, like, still going to be talking about the trade, and we talk about Gabe Velarde's performance. Now, is it Line versus Velarde? Is that what we're comparing now? And do, comparing Dubois? Like, this well, trade tree. Well, Anaya Fallow, who we got a chance to yeah. see last night. And I know we haven't really talked much about him. Um, I am, I, listen, I know last night was, you know, it was a whatever preseason game. I think that his effect on that Lowry line is going to be very, very good for the Winnipeg Jets, assuming that he stays there. He certainly has the ability to play up in the lineup. And and both he and Velarde have seemed to bring a level of defensive acumen that um, the Jets haven't had enough of over the last few years. So we'll chop that up with Brandon coming up in just a minute. Hey, before we do that, <clears throat> a big, big thank you to our friends at Modern Man Barbershops. Fellas, if you're... Uh, Needing haircuts, beard shaping, shaves, color services, and more. Modern Man Barbershop has you covered. Now with eight convenient locations in Winnipeg, including the newest locations on either Pembina Highway or Plessy Road. So if you need a cut, a shave, beard shaping, or more, 
just make an appointment and it's so easy to do you can book your look and uh, get an appointment at any of the modern man barber shops at modernmanbarber.com Make sure to give them a follow on Instagram at Modern Man Barber Shops. And um, of course, Aquatech has been such a great summer. So many Winnipeggers and Manitobans enjoying their summer even more with an Aquatech pool. Certainly, if you're thinking about that for next summer, you can talk to them about plans and financing options. But you might not know that whole home renovations start with Aquatech as well. With thousands of rentals as their foundation, they can upgrade any space in your home. If you're ready to enhance your kitchen, bathroom, or even add a man cave to your home, visit aqua-tech.ca to learn more about their whole home renovations, including financing options. Um, not quite as nice today as it's been the last little while. We're still getting pretty good temperatures, but we all know that winter's on the way. And Manitoba Battery powered Manitobans through the entire summer with batteries for their boats and their campers and lawn tractors and motorcycles but we know that winter's just around the way. Get proactive, get on top of it early if you need a battery test to see how you're setting. The folks at Manitoba Battery can do that at 1026 Logan Avenue. But if you do need a new battery for your car or your truck as we get ready for winter, get the best prices in town and don't even leave your home because Manitoba Battery will deliver it to you for free anywhere in the city of Winnipeg with any purchase over 60 bucks, it's just that easy. Pop over to manitobabattery.com, check out all the batteries available and order online, or give them a phone call, 783-8787. Or of course, you can pop down and see Donnie and his great staff in person at Manitoba Battery at 1026 Logan Avenue. And uh, I gotta tell you, uh, we might not see Chad Kelly tomorrow uh, in game action, but I think we're going to see 32, 33,000 Bomber fans in action, both in the stands and by the rum hut. And I have a feeling the bartenders are going to be in action as well as the official spirit of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers Canadian club remains a, a popular addition to Blue Bomber football. Of course, rum hut and throughout the IG field, you've got CC waiting for you as well as Canadian club and ginger ale pre-mixed cocktails in cans. And it's not just at the Bomber Games, folks. You can pick those CC and Gingers up at your local beer store. And, of course, all the Canadian Club products available at your local Manitoba Liquor Marts. All right, let's get Ruiki in here and keep the Jets conversation going on. Brandon, what's up, buddy? How are you? I'm doing good, man. I'm kind of mesmerized by that uh, CC video there. It's... Those are those those drinks are looking pretty chilly. I, I wouldn't mind. I don't know if you got any over there where you're at, but like maybe maybe you could hook me up and we start this weekend a little earlier. Hey, listen, it's uh, it. We usually try and wait till post show on Winnipeg Sports Talk, but um, like we can make an exception today. Let's go. No, <laughs> just kidding. Uh, although I'll be honest, it might be a dangerous night to get into any excess happy hour activities because we do have a good Thursday nighter tonight in the National Football League. And then, of course, the Ryder Cup beginning in the middle of the night. Uh, very much looking forward to uh, to the golf on the weekend. Um, and to be honest, it was nice that these two preseason games were on Monday and Wednesday. Got I had my fill of in-person preseason hockey for the week, and now we can get on to some other things. That being said... Um, we were talking about this guy off the hop. Where did Parker Ford come from? How about that? I mean, so many of the regulars have already been put down to the B group. And, you know, if you look at the moves made today between group A and group B and the performance last night by Parker Ford, who caught the eye of a lot of people in attendance, 
sort of does seem like he's barged into the conversation in a a two-way battle if you take what we see in the groups with David Gustafson for that 13th forward spot. That was not a storyline I think many of us had coming into camp. No, no. I, I don't know anybody that had Parker Ford on the uh, preseason bingo card as to somebody making a, a bit of a statement game. But I'll tell you what, man, as the original founder a few years back and, and president of the Mikey A. Simon fan club, and it, it was a tough year last year, might have to jump on the Parker Ford bandwagon here because he kind of he kind of reminded me a lot of Acemont and and maybe the Jets do have a bit of a a gem on their hands in the sense that he could be somebody that comes out of nowhere and you know maybe be, becomes a valuable 12th, 13th forward for the team. But he was great last night. And had to, <laughs> if the forward thing doesn't work out, he played a great two on one in OT as well, playing defenseman as well. So I mean, like there's that he can throw into the uh, the highlight reel as well. But I thought he was great. Yeah, and it's I mean. I always kind of laugh when when coaches and and management and things like that say, "Hey, you know, there's there's spots up for grabs and things like that," because I think minds are pretty much already made up as to what they want to do heading into game one of the regular season. But at the very least, to get a bit of a a shot up in the groups and in, in, in training camp and in practices, it's it's well earned because you know for what was a tough night for the Jets for the majority of that matchup against Calgary, at least the first forty minutes, he was. One of, one of, if not one of the only bright spots for the team last night. So good for him. Well, yeah, and he scored that goal, and he almost scored about another, I don't know, like I think basically on his next shift. Um, and you know, it was just funny listening to the people around me in the stands, you know, throughout the game going, wait a sec, who, like, yeah. who is that guy over and over again? Um, and that's what you have to do when you're coming from relative obscurity, when you're a new member of the organization. He got, you know, was a late signee last year and played eight games with the Moose. Um, you have to go in and get noticed. And listen, it's a good story for the team and the organization when a player that I don't think anyone was expecting much from can put themselves into that spot. That being said, the one thing that I took from the groups, as much as it's a cool story and Parker Ford deserves to probably still be around battling for it, um, Gus Bus fan club members have to be happy with um, the way Everything was distributed, and I think it's quite clear that David Gustafson still remains the likely 13th forward for the Winnipeg Jets. Yeah, well, and the fact remains, you know, maybe it shouldn't be this way, but the club invested a second-round pick in him. They're going to give him every opportunity to, at the very least, make the team or make the opening night roster, maybe not get into the actual game day lineup itself. But they're going to – teams do this all the time with – either first-rounders or even second-round picks, where they're just going to give them the opportunity there, which I don't overly have a problem with. Um, but it's always kind of neat to see these guys step up, right, and where maybe you don't grab an NHL job right off the bat. But, I mean, the Jets are already dealing with injuries right now, <laughs> let alone once the season starts, right? But to earn yourself as number one call-up, number two call-up, whatever it might be, that's exactly what Parker Ford's doing right now. And depending on how many forwards the Jets want to carry, whether they go with just 13 or 14, he's going to be one of the first two call-ups once the Jets get things underway. I think you, you'd have to give it to him based on what he's shown right now. Um, Harkins and, uh, and and Parker Ford right now, I think, are going to be the first two call-ups for the Jets. Um, yeah, let's just hope game one isn't the time that they get those call-ups. Um because the injury bug's already here, which is just great. Yeah, no kidding. Um, well, I mean, on a positive note, Nikolai Ehlers was back skating 
albeit in a non-contact jersey, um, you know, resuming training camp after leaving like 15, 17 minutes into the first session. Um, and I guess if something like that was going to happen, Brandon, better off happening early in training camp than in the middle of the season when you have to wait. But it is a little concerning, and I know we've heard this in the chat, that you know we're not even halfway through the preseason. We're dealing with a, you know, a significant absence from Nikolai Ehlers. And then through absolutely no fault of his own, Cole Perfetti targeted last night on a real BS cheap shot that, you know, we shouldn't see in the regular season or in the preseason, but it happened. And then, I mean, touch wood, it's not concussion. I mean, I think they have said that he's not in there. He skated with the other group and they're being very cautious. But, I mean, both of those players are going to be so important to the Winnipeg Jets. And that second line right now, uh, we really won't know what this team is until we see both of those guys at full strength playing. And the bottom line is we got to keep them healthy if I think this team wants to get to where they hope to be this year. Yeah, that's that's really the crappy part of all this. I mean, yeah, Perfetti, it's a bad break on a just idiot, like an idiotic hit. I mean, I, I don't know what this Pospisil guy has against Perfetti. Somebody showed he yeah. did the same, a similar thing uh, a year or two back, like which is just wild that he's, he's going after Perfetti all the time. But I think it's more so just the Nikolai Ehlers thing. One, because like I, everyone loves the guy, but at some point you got to – maybe it's just a training camp thing where you're playing it safe, but like mm-hmm. it's going to be hard to defend him over and over again when you're missing you know, X amount of days, X amount of weeks, consistently year in, year out. But, I mean, more, more importantly than that, massive opportunity here for these guys in games that don't matter to get a bunch of reps that do matter in terms of chemistry – and reading off each other and learning how to play together as a line. I mean, that's already a couple games out the window right now for the Jets to get some valuable minutes with those three. So, I mean, hopefully as the preseason winds down and there's those last couple of games when most of the rosters are are basically the NHL rosters, hopefully we can see those three players together because the second line might... You can make a case the second line will have the biggest impact as to how high the ceiling is for this team this year. And... Big, big, big time shame, not only entertainment wise, but just for the hopes of the club this season that we haven't got to see them in game action yet. And, and really only, like you said, seen them together for about 10, 15 minutes so far. No doubt. Jeez, we got 370 in chat right now. Isha boy, thumbs up button needs some love peeps. <laughs> Thanks, Bruce. Yeah, folks, if you haven't already hit that thumbs up and make sure you hit the subscribe button as we're now 9.93 coming up to that 10K mark that we're uh, gunning to get by puck drop on the 11th in Calgary for game one of the NHL regular season. Um, As far as the blue line goes, um, what have your observations been through the first week, in particular surrounding Declan Chisholm, who I thought Chisholm made a, a, a great play forcing that turnover and quickly turning the puck around that turned into the Harkins goal last night. Billy Hainala, who played a ton, certainly no complaint about ice time last night, getting 30. Um, and, of course, Logan Stanley, another guy that's sort of in that mix, and Kyle Capianco, who was out last night. I mean, what have you made of the battle at the bottom of the depth chart for the Winnipeg Jets, Brandon? Yeah, well, I mean, speaking of the bottom, I think I think it's fair to say that Logan Stanley finds himself there. Um, it's, it's tough to really argue anything otherwise. I mean, there's... There's the aspect that the other two guys, I think, which we'll get to in a sec, have, have played well, but he just hasn't shown well. 
And I, I honestly, I kind of, I, I feel bad for him at this point because I just, I think it's a situation where it's, and and sometimes it just happens where there needs to be a parting of ways. Like I, it's just, it's, it's not working for anybody right now. Stanley's, I don't think, is in a good mindset when he gets there on the ice. And I, I feel like, sorry, there was just a massive. I have no idea what that was. Yeah, <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I, I, I just think that a parting of ways is what's best for both both groups here. And I, I wonder if it's going to be a trade or just straight up waivers, Huss. And I wonder, I know there's teams that could use help on the blue line, but I wonder if he would ultimately get claimed there. As for Chisholm and Hainala, though, I mean, for Villy, what I liked about the last game is finally saw the guy that I think we all wanted to see and saw down in the AHL. Like, it wasn't perfect or anything like that, but I, I there was almost an element of, I wonder if his mindset going into it was just like, you know what? Screw it. I'm just going to play my game, and that's how that's how he needs to go into games, right? Yeah. Especially at the NHL level, like just be you, like do what makes you successful. And if it if it doesn't work, well, you're in the same spot you're likely to be anyways. But at least you're going out there playing the style of play that makes you successful. So I, I think I wish we would have seen that Billy in last year's training camp, and maybe that could have got him a little more ice time at the NHL level last year. But I, I thought he I, I was I was pretty impressed with what he looked like last night. But I think Chisholm's been the best of the three. I think he's an NHL defenseman right now. I doubt he gets into the lineup, but I mean, he he just looks the part, Huss. Like he's, I, I think he's the real deal. And we'll see if if Rick Bonus wants to go down this route. But it might it might work out best for everybody involved to see, depending on you know who's playing well at the time. But some kind of a platoon situation on that third D pair where. You know, Nate Schmidt gets four or five games in a row. Maybe he comes out and Chisholm gets four or five games in a row. You know what I mean? Like, I, I, I think he's earned it, and I think this team needs to put a little bit more of a premium on, you know, when some of these younger guys are up on the roster, let's not have them sit two months in the press box. Let's get them some game action here so it's kind of the best of both worlds where we don't worry about waivers, but we're still going out of our way to make sure that, A, he gets some playing time, and, B, we find out who he is. Yeah, uh, you know, listen, it's a great point. And Brandon, I mean, you know, it's one thing to feel that a player is going to be picked up off waivers and not expose him and keep him with the big club. Um, but it's another thing entirely to have a, you know, a young player that needs to be playing hockey sit in the press box because they're the eighth defenseman or seventh defenseman on a team that just doesn't get in. Now, Rick Bonus's job is not to play guys because, I mean, he's, his job is to win games and to ice the roster that he feels gives him the best chance to win night in and night out. But it is true from an organizational perspective. I mean, one way or the other, and usually it's injuries that just take the decision-making out of it. Um, but if everyone is healthy, and the Jets had a very healthy defense core for the majority of last season, I'm with you. There has to be some sort of a plan to get a player like Declan Chisholm in because, I mean, just doing bag skates and watching the game from the press box for an extended period of time, as promising of a prospect he is, I don't think helps him long-term with where he's at. But at the same time, I certainly wouldn't want to see him exposed and potentially lost from the organization if he was put on waivers. Yeah, I, I mean, I think it's a worse... I, I, th- I think it would be even worse than the Kovacevic thing last year because I think I think Chisholm has a little more higher of a ceiling than than, than Johnny did, even though he's playing well for Montreal last year. But I mean, I I get that you want to put your best lineup night in, night out. But in the grand scheme of things, 
is swapping out your sixth defenseman every handful of games really going to be the difference between you making the playoffs and missing the playoffs? You know what I mean? Like, is is it that much of a downgrade to go from whoever might be on the third pair for the Jets to go no. to Chisholm? There, there's the chance it might like chisel might be an improvement we, we we don't really know yet but well not only will it not be the reason in my opinion that you know you're having like a huge drop off and losing games from it if you don't do it it could be a reason that you know when a guy finally gets in i mean if you have him i mean listen i can't say enough about capo bianco and the way he played last year when he went into the lineup and the jets to their credit figured that if you were if there was a guy that was going to be in this role he would be a perfect guy to do it because he would sit in the press box for extended periods of time and then, to be honest, would look quite good when he came in. This is a player, though, with a little bit more experience. And for a guy like Chisholm, if he is on the club, um, like when you need him, you don't want him to be, as I say, on popcorn duty and bag skate duty for six weeks leading into that. So uh, I'm, I'm fascinated to see how things work. If everyone is healthy... Um, and, and let's just assume even if Logan Stanley is still on the squad and they're keeping the eight forwards, uh, sorry, eight defensemen and Saints, for instance, maybe they wave Capo and it ends up being Chisholm in that spot. I, I would really think that with the potential that he has, what he's shown at the American Hockey League level, um, and knowing that you don't want a player like that to get stale, there will be kind of more of a push um, to change things up a little bit and, you know, game in and game out, not go with the exact same six gator, uh, six defensemen. Yeah, yeah. And I, I don't even think it's a difficult conversation to have with whoever comes out. Like, it doesn't have to be performance-based per se. It could just be like, look, we, as an organization, we're making sure that some of our young guys get some game time. You're going to have a couple nights off here. We'll get you back in after that. You know what? Like, and if you don't like it, too bad. <laughs> because that's that's how we're going to go about it here. So, I, I hope they go down that route. Do I expect them to? 99% I do not expect them to do that. Um, but having said that as well, to put them on waivers to send them down to the moose would be, I, I think, just a catastrophic decision. Um, so, I mean, I, I, I do still imagine that we see Chisholm make his way up with the big club here. The decision to me is just going to be, I mean, Villy, unfortunately, due to circumstance with his contract, is going to be down with the moose. It's just going to be, do the Jets try to either waive or trade one of Capabianco or Stanley. And if we're going by performance, I, I'm with you, man. I think Capabianco's the guy. I, I think there's a lot of value, too, in, in having somebody that can, you know, basically come in ice cold and give you legitimate performance on the third pair. Yeah, and I guess the other thing about Capabianco is, I mean, and whatever, this is just my opinion, but I think – there's a lot of Capo Bianco types that'll be going through waivers over the course of the next couple of weeks. Like, uh, and to be honest, if, if Capo Bianco was even grabbed on waivers, which would be great for him because it would mean that you know he's in the National Hockey League. I mean, it would be a hit to the moose. I mean, you're losing one of those players that you know wouldn't be there. But I mean, organizationally, I think it sort of frees them up a little bit to have obviously Billy be a call up if that happens. Um, and then, you know, have Declan Chisholm being, you know, right there in the mix to uh, to actually play. Like, it's not a great situation, to be honest, to be rolling with eight defensemen and 13 forwards. And that's not something that they've done in the past. 
Um, but I mean, in a lot of ways, this just comes down to waivers exemptions. And if you don't have it, yeah. you can't take that chance. And um, instead of carrying the two forwards and having a little bit more flexibility and versatility with that group up front, um, you're leaning on the blue line to do that, even if you have a pretty established hierarchy of a top six. Yeah, no, no, I'm, I'm, I'm with you on all that. I mean, the other unfortunate part is there's not really a whole lot of waiver flexibility if the Jets wanted to pick up somebody. That, that found themselves on waivers. Like, there's just not, I mean, up front, there's not really any spots there. And on the blue line, even though every organization wants more and more of those defensemen, like, who's, <laughs> how are you going to get that, guys? It's just not in the cards right now, barring, I mean, in all reality, barring a couple of moves to get some guys that are likely to be on the roster moved out somewhere else. So the main thing for me, Chisholm stays with the big club. You make a decision with Kappa Bianco and Stanley. I think at this point for me, the organization gave it a good run with him. He had opportunities. It's just not working out. Let's part ways with Logan Stanley here. And then the Jets can move forward with either Capabianco with the big club or, like you said, send him down. Try to send him down to the Moose at least, and then it gives you a little more flexibility in terms of of roster call-ups. Yeah, fingers crossed next uh, Monday. Albeit, ironically, against the Calgary Flames, who just had one of their players take the liberties against Cole Perfetti. Fingers crossed we see Nikolai Ehlers debut potentially with Billy, uh, with um, uh, Cole Perfetti as well as Nino Niederreiter on that second line. Hey, listen, just before uh, we're going to have, we'll get into much more uh, Jets talk with Murata Tesh and talk about all the content that he and the athletic team have um, coming up to this season. What uh, what did you think about Pascal Vincent putting Patrick Liney in the middle? I, I I'll be honest. I did not have seeking out a Columbus Blue Jackets preseason game on my bingo card this week. But uh, I'll be honest, I, I'm really, really interested to see how that looks, especially with a guy like Johnny Gaudreau on the line. It's fascinating. And I think it's an easier choice for Vincent to make the move when he's like, okay, so he can't play a lick of defense on the wing. What's the worst that happens if we put him down the middle, right? Like they, like I think, I think Remo said, like, if it doesn't work, you're back to square one if it does. Mm-hmm. You hit the jackpot, right? <laughs> like to have a six foot five guy with line A skill down the middle, you know, if, if he can if he can be passable in the face off dot, if he can be passable in his own end, that's a that's a pretty big coup for Columbus there. I, I mean, the, I, I like with the Blue Jackets at least. I, I mean, the Babcock thing was a disaster from day one, but I mean, Pascal's earned his dues, and it seems like in terms of vibes right now over there in Ohio. Things are at a good spot here. And it's funny because in a, in a roundabout way, they, they probably picked the right guy. They, they probably hired the right coach by hiring the absolute worst choice available. So Columbus fell into, I think, a beauty there. And I more more coaches should be a little bit open to that mindset, right? Because, again, what what do you really have to lose here? And in terms of lining moving to center, I, I, I mean, I can't anticipate this being a major success. But again, if it does, it's it's a it's a game changer for the franchise. Where you could have like Fantilli, Line, one of Sillinger and Johnson down the middle for the next half decade. Like, I mean, it, w- it would really, really reshape the franchise almost overnight in a sense. Well, and just the thought of him playing with Johnny Hockey. I mean, you know, Gaudreau is such a next level passer. And to be honest, we all talk about Line shot, but his passing is world class as well as these we've yeah. seen before. And I mean. Two guys with that level of offensive juice. Um, it, it, listen, there's a lot of potential to it. Again, 
but we always talk about this. Playing center at the NHL level is much more than uh, doing nice give-and-goes with a guy like Johnny Gaudreau. There's a lot more to it, and that is probably why this sort of thing hasn't been done before. But I'll tell you what, I am so here for it. And just quickly, you mentioned Pascal Vincent. Uh, in a really weird way, I think this entire ordeal is actually going to be great for the Columbus Blue Jackets. I know. For them internally, within the group, I mean, I think they sort of... I think they're probably more of a team in a lot of ways after being what they've through. It will force them to come together, air a lot of stuff out right out of the gate. And then Pascal comes in where, I mean, I don't want to say sort of chip on his shoulder, but I mean, he went there because he thought that he was ready to be an NHL head coach. He was going to get the chance. And then they went with Mike Babcock. That blew up in their face. And now he gets the opportunity to go in and sort of write what I'm sure he felt was a wrong in the first place with a young team that's got a ton of talent. <laughs> they do, man. And uh, I, I would love to know what the odds are on them to make the playoffs. I know the East is a is a bloodbath, but every now and then you just get one of those teams. Right? There's always one or two teams that nobody thinks will make it that makes it. I'm not going to say that Columbus is one of those teams, but as far as like everything kind of coming together at the right moment before the season starts, you you, you wonder if maybe... Maybe they could be the one that that kind of shocks the world there. But I think at the very least, even if it's not playoffs this year, I I, I just think Vincent's a I, I think he's a winner. Like I I just think he's going to be a really really successful coach. I think he relates to the young guys very well, as as we're seeing with Liney, who's had, you know, I guess Mercurial might be a, a kind way of putting it. He's he's had some issues dealing with coaches at the national and, and pro level in the past. Seems to be getting along just fine there. Um. Yeah, it's as a Flyers fan, it's great to see another Metro team finding their way. So maybe in the next, maybe next decade, we'll we'll find the right guy. We'll find some hope there. Hey, uh, just before we go, um, and uh, we'll get to back to Jets talk with Murata Tesh in just a sec. Um, I always love chopping up a little golf talk with you. Uh, you excited for Ryder Cup? Perfect time to have a newborn. Uh, keeping you up all night with it being in Italy um, and it basically being throughout the night. Uh, what are you thinking about the Ryder Cup and uh, who you got? Yeah, I, I'd rather not watch it live, to be honest. Like, I, I'm I'm cool with watching it on PVR at about 8.30 in the morning. Okay. Yeah. Well, I'm just I'm just saying, like, if, if the little one could help us out here, I'm I'm okay <laughs> with not, not catching some live Ryder Cup action. But I'm Jack, man. I mean, I, I'm pretty – now that Tiger's out of the mix, I, I'm, I'm Team Europe all the way. Um, and especially because it's on European soil to keep the streak alive. Like, let's hope that I'm, I'm fascinated to see what the young guys like, like Auberg and, and, and what's his Ludwig, like I mean, all these composer names just to see if they can maybe shock <laughs> That's the, the world. same guy, Ludwig. Auberg. Just, <laughs> I was like, I, was, I, was like I, I think I'm kind of on the right track here. Um, but it's interesting because the Europeans are so top heavy, right? Like they've got, I think you'd probably say three of the four best golfers in the Ryder Cup right now, but then just unknowns up and down the roster there. So um, I'm, I'm intrigued to see what the matchups are going to be like, what the teams are for for both sides here. And then, I mean, I, I kind of hope it's semi-close going into Sunday, but that the Euros have a decent enough lead that I don't need to worry about it too much. But I'll tell you what, you know, Kepka's listening to his presser. Like he's he's kind of in that major mode right now. And to have the opportunity, like if it's Rombo versus Kepka down the stretch for the oh. Ryder Cup, 
I, I might be okay with that, even if it means the Americans might pull it off in, in, in Italy there. So I, I'm super jacked. I'm really excited to get it going. Yeah, uh, no Brooks in the uh, opening uh, matches, which was a little surprising. Uh, but yeah, Ludwig Auberg never played in a major, but he's playing in the Ryder Cup, teamed with uh, Vic Hovland. I'll remember his name. Uh, <laughs> he's going to have a big Ryder Cup. I'll, I'll, I'll get it down next time. Um, dude, great talking to you. Uh, next week, we'll be that much closer to uh, opening day for the Winnipeg Jets the following week and probably have a little more clarity on the roster. We'll look forward to talking to you then. And, of course, folks, check out Skates and Plates wherever you get your favorite pods. Have a good one, Rue. Beauty, sounds good. Have a good one, too. Appreciate it. Um, there's Brandon Rewicki, host of Skates and Plates. Get it wherever you get your favorite podcasts like Winnipeg Sports Talk. All right, lots of Jets content coming out of The Athletic. Murata Tesh coming up in just a moment. But I do want to thank our friends at Vita Health Fresh Market, who've got great prices on natural and organic supplements, beauty products, groceries, and Winnipeg's largest selection of local products, too. And their website at myvita.ca is fully shoppable. And if you order online by 11 a.m., you can get same-day local delivery. Uh, if you're gearing up for back to school, now that it's here, trying to keep up that energy, try Health First B12 Supreme. B12 is involved in so many functions of our bodies, like metabolizing carbs, fats, and proteins, which are converted into energy. Health First B12 Supreme is on sale all month at Vita Health, family-owned and operated since 1936, uh, Vita Health, six Winnipeg locations and online at myvita.ca. Uh, listen, we've seen Wallace and Wallace all around the city as the fencing experts, residential, commercial, temporary as well. What you might not know is they're also the leader in overhead doors with the largest selection of overhead garage doors in Winnipeg. That overhead door had lots of ups and downs this summer, working hard to get you and your family to all that summer fun. But it's about to work a whole lot harder because winter puts way more stress on a garage door. The right time to prevent downtime this winter is now. Call Wallace & Wallace to book your inspection and maintenance service call today. For residential and commercial overhead door sales and service, there's only one name or two you need to know. And that is Wallace & Wallace. Fellas, uh, nice to see Remo and the gang up in the press box last night looking resplendent in all of their... Uh, all of their duds. If you need some press box wear, just need to up your menswear, get over to F Apparel with custom suits beginning at 400 bucks, along with chinos, golf pants, custom shirts, both tucked and untucked styles, and an incredible selection of menswear accessories. Having a wedding or in a wedding party, talk to the gang about a 15% discount for wedding parties at F Apparel. 190 Smith Street downtown. Find out more online or make an appointment at F. That's ephapparel.com. And a big shout out to Nick and Nikki DQ. Nick and Nikki with four locations here in Winnipeg and surrounding areas. DQ Northgate, DQ Polar Park, DQ St. Anne's, and DQ Neverville. And speaking of Neverville, the Pita Pit is now open in Neverville. Nick and Nikki will be there for you as well. Healthy, delicious, fast and fresh. Nothing like Pita Pit, and they do great catering as well. Hit them up on X at Pita Pit Neverville for catering options and operations. All right, let's welcome in Murata Tesh of The Athletic to shop it up on WST. Murat, how are you, my friend? What's going on? Doing well, Huss. Just got home from the rink, set up to talk to my favorite Andrew Hustler Patterson. 
And I gotta, I gotta swing by the endorsement table as well because that Michael Remus fellow was looking sharp, suited up yesterday at the rink, and I gotta tell the world. I know it's nice to see. It's nice to get Remo out to the rink, and uh, obviously now the family situation's a little more manageable. And I think you've probably seen both of us uh, there quite a bit uh, so far uh, coming up this season. Um, you know, we talked. Uh, any thoughts on last night's game? I, I kind of want to get to today, the moves, what we've seen so far. But last night in particular, I mean, we've sort of talked about Parker Ford, who I don't think anyone was really considering as being legitimately in a competition for one of the jobs. He's standing now with David Gustafson still in the A group. He was big. And obviously lots of talk about the young defensemen that were in the lineup in Declan Chisholm, Philly Hanel, as well as a player like Logan Stanley, who's very much in a dogfight for a roster spot. Yeah, Parker Ford is the best, most positive story to come out of last night. So let's start there. Um, when Manitoba signed him last year and he put up four points in eight games there was just sort of an, oh, oh, neat. Manitoba found a good minor league hockey player or a you know, professional league hockey player um, in the minors. And great, good for them. But for him to show up in camp now, well outside that list of potential 13 forwards, you know, if you start that list with David Gustafson, you have Dominic Toninato, Jansen Harkins, Jeffrey Vial to an extent, Christian Reichel to an extent, um, you didn't really hear a lot of Parker Ford talk in that conversation. I think after, you know, I, I went back after last night and I went through the notepad. What have I noticed about him at camp in the drills? And it turns out he actually kind of gave Logan Stanley a heck of a run for his money in terms of a net front battle that I was pretty amused by at one point. And that's a huge size discrepancy. So, you know, it's just nice to see the hustle guys kind of get uh, reward, that power play time that he got, the goal that he scored, gets a chance to take a shootout. Now this morning rewarded by being in that A group with the vets. And, you know, I'm betting he plays in Ottawa. I'm betting that Rick Bonus is sort of laying a gauntlet down for him saying, okay, well, you did it against Calgary's B team or C team, whatever you want to call that. Um, let's see how you can handle it against something that will look a little closer to an NHL team with Ottawa at home. Um, yeah, I mean, listen, he really was, um, he was everywhere, almost scored on the next shift afterwards. And there's a lot of people talking about him that I don't think were even familiar with him before going to the game last night. Um, but maybe the most interesting battles right now is, you know, at the bottom of the depth chart when it comes to the blue line. Villy played a ton last night. I thought Declan Chisholm had some moments. Logan Stanley certainly, I think, you know, earned some props from Rick Bonus for the way he stood up after that ridiculous cheap shot on Cole Perfetti. But um, big picture, what did you make of those players last night and where they stand right now as we kind of get into the next phase of training camp? Let me tell you what, there is a clear top six in terms of quality when, in the Winnipeg Jets blue line in my mind. And every single one of those names is one of the obvious guys. You know, start with Josh Morrissey at number one and slot in. I'm not sure who you want to put at number six, but... Um, you know, Nate Schmidt and, and and Dylan Sandberg were on that third pair for most of last season. I have seen nothing that says that that top six has changed heading into this year. Um, and it, if if you're Logan Stanley, that's a disappointment because you arrive at camp, your your two ankle injuries from last year have healed. You put in the work in the off season. I haven't seen him take a step above anybody in terms of stealing a roster spot. Maybe that changes with Nate Schmidt having a lower body situation right now, depending on how that lasts. Um, but I, I don't think that that's mission accomplished for him. Cal Capobianco, uh, I, he certainly wouldn't have stepped into the top six, but I think he's delivered a lot of consistency 
And that's what Rick Bonus likes at the edge of his lineup in terms of if you're looking for a number seven or number eight. He doesn't really, it's not really about what your best day looks like. It's how often you give, uh, it's how often you're able to give your plug and play best day. Um, and I think with Capobianco, he's most consistent, but now he's got a lower body situation going on as well. So we go to Ville Hainala and Declan Chisholm. Both of those players have played well at camp. No complaints, no issues. Hainala had a so-so start. I'd say the first half hour of day one on the ice was a little bit sketchy from him. Some missed passes, some errant moments. And I noticed from the stands, Nino Niederreiter sort of just between drill setups swung, swung by Hainala, gave him a little stick tap and a, and a quick word. Hainala seemed to come around after that, just maybe relaxed a little bit. I think his best game is the best of the the four guys outside of the top six, but there's been some inconsistency there as well. I'm encouraged with the Hainala's defending in terms of how he handles some of the bigger, stronger NHL guys, but it's still at that spot where he's always like a step off balance or he's gotten turned almost the wrong way, but he still gets a stick on puck as a shot attempt goes off and he's blocking shots and when I say he's off balance, well, he still comes out of that corner with the puck more often than not. So I don't feel safe and secure with him defending against those bigger, stronger flames the other night or even in his uh, in his first game. But the results have been there. So that's progress, if nothing else. And with Declan Chisholm, I think he's been more consistent than Hainala has. But I think he's still learning to defend at this NHL level as well. And we may see those guys, I, I almost want to say, get weeded out as the NHL competition ramps up, as the exhibition rosters get more like what, what the regular season rosters are going to look like. You know, I, I was just talking about this topic with Brandon, and, you know, we both agreed that Chisholm's, I think, done enough to certainly not have the organization feel comfortable risking him on the waiver wire. So if he's on the club and we have this very clearly delineated top six, um, how do you think that works for, for Declan this year? Because I don't think, and I gave a ton of credit to Capobianco last year for how he would play after being in the press box for long, long extended periods. Um, I don't think that's a plan you really want to have for a young player that, you know, has shown the growth that he has so far. Yeah, if you're Winnipeg and you don't have him inside your top six, and it would be hard for me to imagine him being inside the top six, you probably want him to play. You you would wish he had a waiver's exemption. You would wish you'd be able to play him big minutes with the Moose. And obviously, with that not being the case, you don't want to risk a guy like that to waivers. And now you're left in that awkward spot of what can this relatively younger player do as that fill-in when moments hit, when injuries hit, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, Dylan Sandberg, to an extent, started there last year, but he left no doubts when he got into the lineup, and his defending was excellent from the moment that he started playing, didn't give his job up. So it's possible. It's possible that he would be able to claim a spot. Um, but he's starting from a little bit further back, I would say. One thing, though, coming out of this morning, and you know, just to keep in the back of our minds, you know, Kyle Capobianco, just a lower body situation, Nate Schmidt as well, theoretically possible that depending on the timelines on these guys, and I know that the first day of the regular season is almost two weeks away or two weeks away or so now, but Winnipeg might be able to get around all of this by putting somebody on the IR and keeping a guy like Declan Chisholm up without ever having to risk him on waivers and 
uh, making some of their roster decisions a lot easier for themselves. Yeah, at, at, a, at a certain point, I guess the bottom line, though, is if you've got a young man that's up with your club and you're not comfortable putting him on waivers, at some point you have to get into the lineup. And listen, that's not Rick Bonus's concern. I mean, he is not sitting here he's not the director of player development he's the head coach and trying to win hockey games you know what i mean and i i just do wonder whether you know the club if declan is there will have maybe a little bit of a different um you know strategy as it comes to shaking up the lineup every now and then and now you're giving some veterans a player like nate schmidt you know a game or two off at times um and get Ch chisholm in to you know get some experience at the nhl level and show what he can do if he's going to be part of this roster for the season yeah i guess there's two perspectives on that that i have Ooh. uh the the first one is i don't think rick bonus cares what a prospect does six years from now you know what i mean just like you just said it this isn't a developmental year it's not a coach who showed up to be that developmental long-term coach Obviously, he's a good person. He's a good communicator. He's going to work with the youth and all of that sort of things. But if you think that a 68-year-old Rick Bonus with, a, I think it's a club option at the end of this year, they'll communicate on what happens to him in the future, is thinking several years down the road, I think that would be a mistake. So that's why I think that around the edges of the roster, you're going to see him defer to veterans and consistency. It's one of the reasons why before Parker Ford showed up and has looked as good as he has, I think Dominic Tony Nato has impressed me almost the most in terms of that, that next wave of players. And at 29 years old, he might be able to offer a bit more consistency in and out of the lineup than, say, even a David Gustafson, who's a player whose ceiling I rate much higher and whose hockey sense has really shown there might be something more there if he were ever able to stay healthy and get a regular rotation. Um, same thing on defense, where I'm not sure that Rick Bonus is – necessarily going to be prioritizing minutes for younger players just because he can the way that that could change and bonus talk to me a little bit about this in a scrum mind you but it was a question i asked last year where he seems to enjoy rotating guys in from time to time because he's spending he spends a lot of his october and november and december thinking about what hockey is going to look like in april and may by which i mean if a player has gotten into games halfway frequently, even if he's not a regular, it's going to go a long way for the team's playoff chances if they last long enough. Because guys, you know, a defense will run seven, eight, nine, ten players deep by the end of your average playoff run. And I think that's the sort of thing where if Chisholm can at least prove he's on that veteran level, then he could get rotated in. And, and, and from that perspective, you might see him get minutes. Murat Atesh of The Athletic with us. Murat, let's move from the periphery of the lineup and the guys battling to be on the team to the middle of the lineup. And I wanted to ask you about Alex Iafalo in particular. Got a chance to see him in person, in game action for the first time last night. And I mean, I think there's a lot to be excited about with what he brings, especially playing with Adam Lowry. Now, We'd talked a couple weeks ago projecting lines, where things were going to go, and you had originally mentioned that you had thought that maybe he and Nito Niederreiter would be swapped and, you know, Al Filo was playing up. And I just wanted to ask you about it, and you had said that after watching it, you actually think that maybe they got it right this time. What did you make of that choice for the club and just the Iofalo effect to a third line or a second line wherever he ends up playing regularly? Yeah, Winnipeg is in a good position with sort of those middle six wingers in that they can do a lot of things. And Iofalo was impressive last night, I thought. Um, just as 
the the crowd was hearing the announcement that an assist, his assist had been added to Parker Ford's power play goal. Well, right as his name was mentioned, he spun one of Calgary's younger players into the ice and, and cut in for a chance. There was a PK situation where Ville Hainala's stick blew up as he tried to clear the puck. It was Ayafalo who rotated down and made sure that Hainala had a stick and conveniently it was a left-handed one and, and, and all was well. Um, so there, there are a lot of things like that that he does well that help. Um, head, heading into the year, I thought, okay, give him to Cole Perfetti on that second line. Uh, Ayafalo has two-way you know, expertise, one might say. He'll clean up any defensive situations and give Nino Niederreiter to Adam Lowry. Because if you looked at the numbers last season, Adam Lowry's game took off the moment Niederreiter showed up on that third line. They outscored opposition by a lot. They kept the puck in the offensive zone. It was almost as if as soon as Niederreiter arrived, Lowry had the quality on his line to, um, to drive play the way that I think that we all look forward to him doing. To watch it play out on the ice, though, so far at camp, um, I like Niederreiter with Perfetti. I like Niederreiter having a little bit more of a bulldog mentality than I have follow. There's a physicality to Niederreiter that goes into the corners and goes to the front of the net, and I think he's going to be able to just make a little bit more space for Perfetti than than I have follow necessarily would have. At the same time, I have follows two-way acumen and just the fact that he's in the right spots, I want to say in open ice. His forechecking lanes that he takes are great. His stick is active. He curls back, and he's a, a really good 200-foot player in terms of hustling back into his own zone and then knowing what to do when he gets there as well. And I think that if you're sizing up Adam Lowry's line to do some real heavy lifting, tough matchups against elite players, maybe he's got a little bit more of that open ice defending in him than Niederreiter would necessarily have. They're both quality players. I think they would both have success in either spot. But maybe stylistically, the chemistry is actually best this way. I have follow in Lowry and then need rider with Perfetti. Um, just, while we're talking about I have follow, what have been uh, your uh, early observations of the other two uh, former Kings in uh, Gabriel Velarde, who was playing with uh, Kyle Connor and Mark Shifley, as well as Rasmus Kapari? Have we seen him both home preseason games this week? Yeah, Rasmus Kapari, I'm just glad that he looks like he deserves that fourth line center spot at the bare minimum. You know, there is no way heading into camp Winnipeg would waive a player that was a part of the package for Pierre-Luc Dubois, not just because of optics, but obviously they wanted him for a reason and they believe that he can grow. Rick Bonus said the other day, fourth line, and hey, maybe we'll elevate him if he, you know, if he shows a little bit of pop. And, you know, the his speed, his forechecking, it's it's been there. He's, I don't think he's an, an absolute impact player or a play driver at this level, but he deserves that spot. And I think that that is a baseline for his Jets career with room to grow. That's good news. Um, Velarde, though, let's talk about Gabriel Velarde. And, you know, after he was acquired, I go down the YouTube rabbit hole. You watch all the goals, you watch all the clips, and you start imagining, okay, what is this player going to look like? How is he going to fit? And the thing that he does best in L.A., if you watch those clips last year, is exactly what Rick Bonus was praising him for today. He can protect the puck on the wall. He can use his body to keep the puck safe. Um, he can make plays with it as well. Nothing really dies on his stick because his head is up and his reads about where his line mates are are exceptional. You saw it on that spinning pass to Kyle Connor. That was a highlight real play but it manifests itself in so many smaller, subtle ways throughout a game as well. And I think that that puck possession, head up, um, look for somebody to dart into space, 
uh, buy time for your linemate sort of play. I think that's tailor-made to be a winger on Mark Shifley's right side. And with Kyle Connor being such a dangerous shooting threat and really good at timing his cuts into, into soft ice as well, there's a lot to like about that group offensively. And they should be able to outscore whatever you know top defensemen get thrown at them. Uh, Marat, in uh, the Athletic today, uh, in addition to all of your coverage of the club, um, you know Dom and Sean and Shana are putting together their prediction for the season. And I will say this: I mean, sometimes I don't like the tone <laughs> of the way that they talk about the Jets. Like it comes off a bit. Like I don't know how much they watch them. Obviously, they're as good as anyone in crunching the numbers. But, like, part of me reads this, and it's like they're saying that this team absolutely sucks, but there's a good goalie. And then you sort of read it, and there is some reasons that there could be for optionism. And the one thing that I'll say this, if you're just looking at the numbers, what I've been saying all along that's fascinating about this team is the range of possibilities for what this team could do. I mean, there's absolutely a path to being a top team in the West and, you know, a contender. There's also a path to being the other end of the spectrum. Um, what did you make of um, the way they kind of set up this Jets upcoming season and, you know, where they finished up at? I mean, they called them the most mid-team in the league. They basically said everything was meh, and yet they're still saying that this team could get 96 points, maybe 100, and be a playoff team. Yeah, I mean, to use that kind of language, to say mid, to say meh, there's there's not a lot of love and respect in, in in those very specific words and you know I I can see commenters in some points or you know online reading those specific words and sort of being like oh what do these guys know but then you go through and read section by section there isn't a deeper or more comprehensive season preview about the Winnipeg Jets out there and I say that having had nothing to do with the writing of that piece Step by step, the, the, the analysis in terms of how the numbers work are, is solid. And to talk about the Jets, their overall conclusions as inside the playoffs, quite likely, you know, probably somewhere in that 96-point range, but within a reasonable reach of 100 as well, um, I think that's a reasonable projection. I think that the end results of a lot of what they're saying, quite reasonable. The idea that Josh Morrissey is a great offensive player, but 70-plus or a point per game might be a little bit out of reach. That's completely defensible. Connor Hellebuck is one of the game's elite goaltenders, completely defensible. A lot of the stuff in there makes a lot of sense. And then every now and again, and I can say this honestly, like I'll read a sentence and I'll be like, I completely disagree with that. Or if you had my job where you watched them 82-plus times a year, you wouldn't phrase it that way. You wouldn't put it that way as well. And that's good because if I wanted to read my own voice in a preview, I'd write one, right? Like it's it's good to get outside perspectives from time to time as well. So I think that the projections and the overall analysis about the Jets odds this year are, are really quite strong from that group of writers. And then every now and again, there's a sentence that even has me scratching my head. And I go back to, I go back to, you know, a model spitting out that Josh Morrissey would be a, a, a replacement level player a couple of years ago. And it's like, sometimes you just got to be in the rink and pay attention with your eyes because that same year was the most explosive he had looked like in camp for ages. And it was just so obvious, all of my notes, all of my pieces. And I had to write an article being like, uh, Dom Lucician is wrong and here's why. And 
I'm going to take the W if you're out there, Dom. I, I think I smoked you on that one. <laughs> you definitely did. <laughs> I, uh, I enjoyed every minute of it. Um, Remus, <laughs> okay. if you can, go to the, uh, the piece we're talking about. Um, and if you can get up on the screen, not the first graph of the projection with, you know, where they could go with points, but where they break down the team uh, and they've got offensive rating and defensive rating and then a net rating. Um, you know, the one thing that certainly stands out with this is Connor Hellebuck is elite and he's got a plus 14 defensive rating. But and this for, for folks that are watching with us on YouTube, if you're listening on the podcast, get to The Athletic. It is a very, very in-depth piece on the Jets. I mean, just and I'm not sure that this is even a fair question because I know it was your colleagues that did this and you didn't. Can you explain, do you know much about like these offensive ratings, how someone like, for instance, Gabriel Velarde, when we're looking at the forwards, is a plus three defensively. So that would indicate that he's the top guy. Alaphile is a, a one along with the likes of Niederreiter. But then a Cole Perfetti is a plus one, and that certainly wouldn't be something I would have thought. Any idea about how these work and basically what these numbers in, per individual player are telling us? Yeah, it's sort of a repackaging of some of the old models that they used to use at the Athletics. So the way that offense looks, I guess the simplest way I could say it would be it includes real offense, especially goals, especially primary assists that these guys put up. Um, so, you know, Connor and Shifley looking tremendous in terms of their offense. It's because they score. Um, and, you know, that's easy and obvious to everybody's eyes. Another thing that goes into offensive rating would be a player's impact on expected goals and puck possession. So um, you get some points in the offensive category for actually producing, and you get some points as well for creating a lot of expected goals, a lot of scoring chances and that sort of thing. And it's a little bit of a hybrid of those to oversimplify it. So to look at the offensive chart here, Kyle Connor being Winnipeg's best player offensively, I think that tracks with everybody. Um, Nikolai Ehlers and Mark Shifley tied for number two, and I think that that makes sense. The defensive side of things is, um, is sort of associated with the player's ability to stop chances against. And, you know, real goals against have a small role here as well, but a player's impact on expected goals against have an impact. There's, if you want to go one step further, when a player changes teams like Ayafalo, like Kupari, like Gabriel Velarde have done, usually their offense comes with them. There's a high degree of repeatability from one team to the next offensively. But defense seems to be so systems influenced that it's actually a lot tougher to guess how well they do when they switch teams in terms of being able to prevent scoring chances on their line. So Velarde on this image looks like Winnipeg's best defensive forward, and he might turn out to be. He might have that impact on, create, on, on reducing chances, but it also might be a little bit of love for the way that he was able to do it in Los Angeles playing a very different system. So a few things to consider, uh, but really the things to take away is that it shows real impact on real points, real goals scored, as well as a little bit of expected goals and puck possession stuff, among other things, go into those numbers. You know, the one thing that, I mean, I think checks out based on the majority of the season, although I think he kind of turned it around at the end of the year and played a strong playoffs is Neil Pionk. Um, and I know we've touched on this before. I, I really think he's a linchpin to uh, the, the defense. We know Morrissey's going to be the number one guy playing a ton, but Pionk is going to play a lot. If they can get him back more like the guy that we saw a couple years ago that earned that contract as opposed to the one that struggled for a good 50, 60 games last year. 
uh, I mean, obviously that would be huge for the Jets. He's sitting there on a minus four right now. Do you see, what have you seen of Pionk so far? And is there a path to Neil Pionk just getting closer to maybe being even on that and having the offense that he provides make him a plus to the lineup as opposed to, based on these numbers, a negative coming out of last season? Yeah, you know, every ever since that Josh Morrissey camp I referred to a couple years back where you just knew, you just knew. You watched him and the skating had leveled up. His shot, he was rifling one-timers bar down off, uh, you know, on power play drills. There was something special on the way for him. I look for other players who might rebound in the same way. And, you know, what made Morrissey so special was how uniquely on point he had gotten that's not, I think, attainable for other players you're looking for to have bounce back years like a Neil Pionk. But I do think that a modest step forward is. And we saw it down the stretch and in the first few games of the playoffs. That last game, every Jet looked overwhelmed. Um, we, we've seen signs that this guy can, can play and defend against top four type opposition. Um, and for me, the single thing that's most important for him on that front is mobility. I said single thing. Bad grammar. The two things that are most important are his mobility and his confidence. His confidence goes a long way. That's that's just facts in terms of having the assertiveness to make reads, to step up at the blue line, to lay the body, to do really aggressive things at the right times and have success stopping rushes before they start making stops defensively and getting the puck going the other way. That's what he excelled at when he was having strong years in Winnipeg. And I think that a lot of that confidence comes from having the mobility. And I don't think he moved particularly well last season. So, you know, if he made the right read and a player went lateral on him and, it, and he had to sort of adjust in terms of how he was skating, whether it was sideways, whether it was backwards, all that sort of stuff, it wasn't going as well for him as it did beforehand. And also there are some defensive reads, you know, not necessarily at the blue line, but closer to the net where he looked a step behind. I'm seeing improvement on both fronts, modest improvement on both fronts through caps, camp so far. I'm seeing him first on pucks. I'm seeing him box players out and get to rebounds first because his first step is working for him and his awareness is working for him. So we hope for the Jets' sake, because we know what the top, how much better the top four could look with the step forward, that he keeps that up as, as the competition ramps up in the next week or two. Speaking of top four, I've really been intrigued by him playing with Dylan Sandberg. Um, do you think that sticks into the regular season? Would you like to see that? Do you think that makes sense for the Jets? I don't think it sticks into the regular season. Uh, there's been a lot of veteran youth mentorship at camp so far, and I think that that explains a lot of it. You can look at the pairings that they used today, actually. It was back to Morrissey and DeMello, and Brendan Dillon was skating with Neil Pionk. Um, Sandberg was skating actually with Ville Hainala because Schmidt uh, Schmidt wasn't out there and and on and on like that. So those old pairings were back. But uh, in terms of what that partnership could look like, one, it's a beauty story. Like their parents know each other. <laughs> like they've they've brought casserole dishes to each other's kids at the Hermantown Arena. And like there there's just so much tremendous color there. And I wrote a bit about that last year. But also, you know, there are some players that have third pairing success and the coaches have been so good at protecting them from they don't have to play against Connor McDavid. They don't have to play against Leon Dreisaitl or, you know, any one of that ilk. 
And then suddenly they bump up from the third pair to the second, and it turns out they can't handle it. Their, their reads are slow. They get beat back door. When players switch, they're just a step behind adjusting to it. And we've seen that before in Winnipeg. Uh, Tucker Pullman would be a good example when he was suddenly a top pairing defenseman with Josh Morrissey. Dylan Sandberg is a guy that I at least maintain belief could have success in that role. I'm not anointing him top four ready, top four, you know, just workhorse right here and now, but I believe he has access to it. I think that he could defend well against top six opposition, even if he's been limited to a third pair so far. So would I like to see it? Yeah, I'm at least a little bit curious about that. Yeah, me too. Um, hey, before we go, uh, what was uh, – tell us about this morning. I mean, we saw the groups get split up. Ehlers back in a non-contact jersey. You heard the update – I guess the update from Cole Perfetti just being very cautious after what happened last night. I mean, uh, what do people need to know about uh, this morning as the Jets got back on the ice? Yeah, injury updates galore, actually. So Mason Appleton wasn't out there. He's got a, he's dealing with something right now, and he's day-to-day. So that's something to watch out. If it lasts, again, there's a job that opens up, but that's a concern. Cole Perfetti skated in that separate group away from the main group. Looked good to me, looks ready, but and he said he felt good. But uh, Bonus said he was ever so slightly less than 100%. They're being cautious day-to-day. Um, Nate Schmidt was also in that group away from everybody else. There's something lower body going on there. Another day-to-day officially situation. Capobianco, I didn't see out there. So that seems to maybe be something they're at least keeping him off the ice for. Um, Those are the main updates injury-wise. Ehlers was skating with the main group. Looked good offensively. But Bonus said, yeah, there were actually a couple drills that he couldn't compete in because, you know, they're not ready for him to take contact yet. And that's unfortunate. You could, we talked to him after and, you know, he must be as sick of all of this stuff as his fans are. Um, so we're still a little bit away there. I've started to in- interpret all of this injury stuff as maybe this opens up jobs for people because guys end up on the IR. But, of course, it's only September 28th, and there's, there's plenty of time to go. Uh, the one thing that I'll add to all of that was Parker Ford joined the main group, the main veteran-laden group today. And that's clearly a reward for for work well done last night and beforehand as well. Now we're going to hear from Parker Ford in just a minute. Marat, great stuff. Um, we'll look forward to our chat next week. And we're less than two weeks away from dropping the puck on that season in Calgary. And uh be interesting to see how this next uh, you know 10 days or so of camp goes before things get going for real. Have a great Thursday. And uh, we'll talk to you soon and see you at the rink. Thanks for doing this. You too, Wes. Thanks for having me. All right. There's Murat Atesh. Again, uh, that extensive preview, all of Murat's work, all there at theathletic.com. We are going to hear from Parker Ford, who was turning some heads last night. Before we do that, big shout out to our friends at Princess Auto. And folks, tomorrow night, Bombers, Argos, IG Field. You know where the place to be before the big game is. Of course, it's the Princess Auto tailgate party. Another sold-out crowd, another great pregame atmosphere. Get there early, get a few in and get ready to get loud as the Bombers look to go to 11-4 and against the Argos. Of course, Princess Auto, proud sponsors of the Bombers, WST, and the place where you'll find the best deals on the most unique assortment of tools and equipment around. Everything you need to complete the projects on your list or start something new is at Princess Auto. Two local locations, and of course, you can shop online 24-7, 365 at princessauto.com. I know uh, Joe and Spicy and the boys down at uh, Consolidated Supply are ready for tomorrow night. Huge sponsors, or huge supporters of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. 
uh, but also the go-to guys for irrigation system, artificial turf, and golf carts is the exclusive club car dealer in Manitoba. Consolidated Supply has other great options for your property, including hot tubs and amazing outdoor kitchen options. And of course, they're also the leaders in small engine parts and repair. There's so much Consolidated Supply can do for you, your home, and your business. Pop by and see them at their showroom. Open to the public, 1395 Niagara Road East, or find out more online at cte.ca. Uh, speaking of that bomber game tomorrow, if you need to uh, get maybe a little bit more blue, bomber blue in the closet for uh, your outfit tomorrow, or you're looking at you know some new Jets merchandise to cheer on the home team coming up this season, only one place to go, and that, of course, is Royal Sports, the number one sports superstore with the biggest and best selection of licensed team gear featuring the home teams as well as the National Hockey League, NFL, and, of course, the Blue Jays as they get ready for playoff baseball next week, still waiting to officially clinch. Um, pop by and see them, 750 Pemina Highway. And don't forget the biggest and best hockey selection in town is at Royal Sports, family-owned for 40 years. Follow them on Instagram as well for the latest merchandise drops and sale information at Royal Sports Pemina. And, uh, hey, we got... We got a heck of a football game tonight. We'll talk about that coming up in a few minutes. Um, Lions and Packers for a, a Thursday night. And, of course, big, big Blue Jays game as well. No better place to get together with your gang than your local Boston pizza. Ice cold schooners, world-famous BP wings, gourmet pizzas, and the latest from the BP feature menu. And, of course, if you are staying in, can always order online at bostonpizza.com. All right, let's get Remus back in here. We are going to talk to Alec Jones, the uh, athletic reporter for the Minnesota Vikings in a few minutes. Um, but Remo, uh, I figured that we'll, uh, we should hear from Parker Ford. He was, a lot of people were talking about him. We have never, I think, heard Parker Ford speak before, uh, before yesterday. Yeah, I was getting ready for the show, doing deep dives on Parker Ford, reading his draft profile from 2020 where he was passed over the quote in this one from at the draft analyst on x formerly known as twitter he wrote uh, an aggressive forward with a non-stop motor and excellent speed and i think we've seen that uh, on display so i retweeted that from my account uh, at m remus and uh look parker ford made an impact it, we saw that yesterday, got himself in the main group, and, you know, we're doing our 13th forward power pull. Uh, Parker Ford skyrocketing up the charts uh, up there with Gus now. Well, and you know what? That's a perfect little, uh, while we hear these uh, these um, uh, clips. Um, folks, where are you at? Based on today's uh, changes, let's get to, in the groups, let's get to the why not question of the day for Not Auto Corp over at Waverly and McGilvery and online at not.ca. Um, where are you at for the 13th forward right now? If it comes down to David Gustafson or Parker Ford, um, are you riding with the Gus bus or is Parker Ford done enough to maybe usurp Gustafson and be that 13th forward for the Winnipeg Jets? Let us know in the chat. Um, but we've got a couple of clips from Parker Ford and each spoke about last night's game and uh, obviously scoring and the chances and the opportunities he got from the coaching staff. Here's Parker Ford on last night's tilt to Canada Life Centre. There was some energy there. Um, thought I was moving my feet well. Um, 
missed a couple open nets, but uh, that just happens sometimes. So, um, yeah, it's tough to be on the losing side. When you're new to an organization, you're coming in for your first camp here. What, what are the goals that come into it, and how did tonight affect that? Yeah, I think you want to show um, your best game, and um, I think that comes with uh, the coach's trust. You know, um, coach isn't going to put you out there if he doesn't trust you. So, um, you know, I just try to play the right way, play a good 200-foot game. Um, I mean, everyone's so good out there, so fast. So, um, just find little ways to chip in. All right, so there's Parker Ford after the game yesterday, and uh, he got some great news this morning when, as Marat just mentioned, he was remaining in the uh, the veteran group with the majority of the club, while the majority of players outside of David Gustafson that we had been discussed maybe being in the mix for that 13th forward group had been moved to the B group, which certainly projects to be the Manitoba Moose. But um, you know, Parker Ford in front of the cameras last night after talking about the game, um, just expanded a little bit on his first NHL training camp experience here in Winnipeg. Yeah, I mean, it's been great. Uh, guys have been really good um, at being my first camp. So, um, you know, I've been having fun, uh, learning the new systems. Everything's pretty new. Um, but, yeah, it's been a good adjustment, having lots of fun. What did you see during that power play? Obviously a lot of puck movement before the goal itself, and then getting a one tee kind of. Yeah, I mean, I don't think I've taken that many one tees in a game before. <laughs> so uh, it was kind of funny, but uh, it was nice to – pot one there but uh we just sustained pressure there i mean it was five on three but we were moving the puck well retrieving the puck well so um it was good that one of them went in all right so there's parker ford and um reem i guess for my thought on that why not question of the day i'm still thinking it's going to be gus but i have to think that what ford has been able to do in a very short period of time as rawiki mentioned early in the program puts him in a spot to potentially be that first call-up and certainly play a more impactful role with the Manitoba Moose than he may have um, been afforded to normally coming into camp. Yeah, 100%. And I think you look at, uh, you know, the player they lost last year and Mikey Isamon and you keep thinking, oh, they need, they have, he's got Mikey Isamon vibes. Like, he's got energy, he's got speed. And they haven't had, you know, since losing Brandon Tanev, that, you know, that type of player and, there's so many parallels. Went to the same college, smaller guy with a motor. Um, I I don't know, undrafted free agent. Uh, he's certainly making an impact here. And, um, you know, we thought it was kind of Gus's job, but maybe not now. Well, we'll break it down with Weaver tomorrow when uh, he joins us on the program and uh, more as the Jets hit the road for a little preseason action. One more home game next week against the Ottawa Senators, but more work to do in the meantime. And I think we're going to head down to a training camp tomorrow morning before we get back here for Lock Shop and tomorrow's edition of Winnipeg Sports Talk. Big NFC North battle tonight for Thursday night football between the Lions and the Green Bay Packers. Um, but really looking forward to this next segment. We just had one of our favorites from The Athletic, Marat Atesh, join us. And now for the first time, Vikings beat writer for the Vikes, Alec Lewis of The Athletic, joins us. Alec, what is going on? It's great to have you here in Winnipeg. A lot of Vikings fans looking forward to a talk in a little purple. Yeah, that's what I heard. I, I got a message yesterday. They're like, a lot of people who care about the Vikings in Winnipeg want to hear from you. I'm like, Dude, I mean, I don't know. I, I never thought Winnipeg would ever be that curious to, to get my insights um, on anything in life. But no, I'm happy to be here. It's been a crazy start to the season. Should be a fun conversation. 
Yeah, well, dude, we got probably four or five thousand season ticket holders here north of the border. So uh, that that Emerson uh, border stop is always busy on game weekends on Friday and Saturdays and then back on Sunday and Mondays. And you know what? Listen, we've got a ton of Vike fans that are here with us regularly. I mean, they would be the closest thing to a home team around here. And, you know, after last season, the way the Vikes won football games, but then the way the sort of clock struck midnight in the playoffs, I think there was split feelings about where this team was at. You knew that they had a lot of talent on it, but you thought there'd be regression. The wild thing is, from my perspective, Alec, that for a team that won every close game last year, they've started out on the other end of that ledger. But to be honest with you, I mean, we're not talking about like an 0-3 mitigated disaster like the Chicago Bears. There's actually been a lot of good so far but the standings don't care about that. They're 0-3 going into this game this week and, of course, have the Chiefs at home the following week. Right, and, and you're exactly right, and it's what makes this sport, I think, so challenging to analyze on a daily basis. Part of it is the parity of the NFL literally makes it built to where it is. it makes it difficult. Um, but you're exactly right. 11-0 one-score games last year. It felt like continuously, how are they doing this? But then as you analyze the how, and I think you saw the numbers of the rarity of, of what they were doing in close games, you could you could explain it away. I mean, you could find reasons to say, this is why they're getting it done in close games. It is the situational work that they're doing, that they've done since Kevin O'Connell took over. And then this year, uh, you're 0-3. I think you've lost your 0-3 in one-score games. Turnovers have been a gigantic issue. Um, and, and if you talk to anybody in analytics, they will tell you that the two most predictive stats to winning are turnovers and explosive plays. And right now the Vikings and the turnover margin have, have had as rough of a go as anybody. I mean, I think I looked up this stat earlier today, um, but the Vikings actually are second in the NFL and their drives that result in touchdowns. If you take away the fumbles and the interceptions. And so their offense has been successful. Um, it's just that they've, they, they've turned the ball over so many times that it, it, it's, it's mitigated the feeling of some of that success. Well, and the turnovers. I mean, some of the fumbles that have happened. I mean, fumbles are sort of a more random thing, and I think, than just about anything. Although bad teams turn the football over and good teams take care of it, which is a very simple way of, of, of putting it. Um, and I think the fights are somewhere in the middle. But you would think that the ability to hold on to the football will improve. I mean, frankly, there's no way it could be as bad as it's been to to, to start it off. That being said, they are in a really tough spot, especially with, uh, we're going to see these two teams tonight that both, I think, are trending in the right direction. We can stick a fork in the Bears. They probably should be like a USFL or XFL outfit right now with the way that they're playing. Um, but where does this leave the Vikes? Because I do talk to some people that are still think that, Listen, this division isn't that good. 0-3 is not a great spot to be in. But there's enough juice in this locker room that, you know, the Minnesota Vikings can be playing meaningful games down the stretch, and the playoffs is not a pipe dream. No, I mean, the odds are definitely against you when you start 0-3 in the NFL to make the playoffs. I mean, the odds are quite low. But I think part of the reason Boise Adolfo Mensa, the general manager, uh, took over and employed, deployed kind of a competitive rebuild approach was because he looked around the division and realized that a lot of these teams are unproven 
And though Detroit has a lot of talent, and though Green Bay has a lot of talent, um, I think there were reasons to think if things fall the right way, the Vikings could compete in the division. And, I mean, while I, I agree with you in that both Detroit and Green Bay seem to be looking up, I mean, if you look at what Matt LaFleur has done with Jordan Love offensively, I think it's it's been a, a pretty solid start for them without some of their weapons. Detroit, I think, has held their own. Um, they obviously lost to Seattle at home, but but I think they beating the Chiefs in week one was definitely a, a, a probably a, a step uh, and, and probably validation for what they hoped the season would be. So those teams have had success, but – I mean, in the past, Brian Flores has had a lot of uh, – has made it hard on Jared Goff. And in the past, Justin Jefferson has made it hard on Green Bay. So it's it's easy to think forward and to think about maybe the potential that the Vikings can compete. I think as, as easy as that is, it starts this week. And, and this team really right now, it's the most cliche thing in the world, as you know, with sports, to take it one week at a time. But if they don't beat the Panthers this week, you can't start to even – push toward the playoffs and you can't get anywhere close so I think this game to be able to put a, a three uh dimensional game together in terms of offense defense special teams in Carolina against a pretty bad Panthers team is is the place this team has to start if it wants any any semblance of opportunity at this division Alec Lewis of The Athletic with us on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Looking ahead to week four in the NFL Vikings four-point favorites in Carolina against the Panthers will get to the cool bet lines a little later on. You know, I wanted to talk a little bit more about Kirk Cousins' situation with the team and where they are organizationally, but it's a great sort of segue into the piece that you've got up right now. Um, and you mentioned GM Quezzi Adolfo Mensa and the competitive rebuild going a year and a half in. I mean, for maybe folks that haven't followed as closely, I mean, what was the strategy or the outlook when it came to the big picture from the GM as well as this season in particular, especially at the quarterback position, Alec? Yeah, so Kweisi Odofo for people who don't know, is a very analytically-minded guy. He spent time on Wall Street and, and found his way into the NFL with the 49ers through kind of a numbers, quantitative, economics type of background. And I think that informs a lot of his perspective. Um, he took over and inherited a pretty difficult cap situation. The Vikings under Rick Spielman, the former general manager, had put a lot into these veteran players, had kind of kicked down the can down the road in terms of their contracts and their cap hits. So when Kwesi Adolfo Mensa took over, I think he, he really had kind of two routes to go. And it's not only you, it's ownership. What, what route does ownership want you to take? And they ended up not tearing everything down, but 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 trying to take like a three-year plan, two, three-year plan, and try to ease the salary cap and, and flip that over for the future while also winning at the same time. And he has even said it's a hard thing to try to do, um, especially if you're trying to draft an elite quarterback. As all of the metrics and history and research shows, the best way to find an elite quarterback in the draft is at the very top. And if you're winning – during the season, you're not going to be picking at the very top. So that always was going to be a difficult challenge that that he and this team was going to have to face. Um, Kirk Cousins is in the final year of his contract. His contract is set to void at the end of the season. The team had discussions with him this spring about an extension. The two sides differed in their wants. It was a cordial conversation. I don't think it's, it's crazy to say that they could revisit things after the season. Um, but the way things sit now, it feels like Kirk Cousins, with the success he's having, could could 
could finish out at age 35 and put himself in a really good free agency position and the Vikings could draft a quarterback. So it's, it's that, that spot and that conversation with the quarterback and the future of that position to me kind of will help to refine how everybody feels about this entire competitive rebuild in the end. Like what happens there and whether they're able to find a quarterback is probably going to cloud and and shape the entire narrative in the end. Um, Okay, so the Vikes are looking. I mean, they're 0-3 right now. They're at the Panthers. They're favored in that game. They'll be a big home underdog against the Chiefs the following week. They'll be a big road favorite against the Bears. And then they'll be a home dog again against the 49ers. (laughs) If this team, let's say that, you know, they split those games and lose at Lambeau when they're two and six after eight games. How might that change their approach to the rest of the year and even the trade deadline? And I'm sure you've heard folks saying, listen, if this is a lost season for the Minnesota Vikings and you've got Kirk who is absolutely balling out. And I mean, obviously the big talk is about the New York Jets who have a pretty solid team everywhere except arguably the most incompetent quarterback in the entire NFL like, is there any chance you think that the Vikes make some significant moves, including potentially their quarterback, if it makes sense for the big picture, if they are sitting at two and six in the playoffs, it's highly unlikely, not to mention what that might do to your previous point about helping them get in a better spot to pick a quarterback in the draft? Yeah, the Kirk one is interesting because Kirk has a no-trade clause, so he would have to agree to any potential trade that happens, and that becomes an interesting conversation. Would a guy who was on pace to throw for 6,000 yards with the weapons he has move to a different city and being the, probably the, the, the toughest media market in the country slash uh, an entirely new offense that he has to learn on a whim, would he want to do that if he's trying to put himself in the best position to make long-term money at the end of the season? I think that's where it becomes a, a, a very interesting question for him and and for the team to sort through if it ever reaches that point. Um, I think in general, though, if the team is sitting at two and six and and they're having to make decisions at the trade deadline, I mean, I would think you would have to if you're Kwesiodo Fomitsa field calls on guys like Daniil Hunter, whose contract runs out at the end of the season, Um, on on guys like Byron Murphy Jr., who who has played pretty solid at cornerback, even though the, the room is so thin other than him. So I think... If you find yourself at two and six, depending on how the division shakes up and how you feel about your team, um, I think you would have to listen. But I I can also say just being in the building today, yesterday, earlier this week, there is belief, and and there has to be, I guess, but there is belief among the players and coaches that they they have the right talent and probably schematic uh, strategy in the room to be able to to put wins on the board. And so I I have a hard time thinking that they're going to pull the ripcord and just start selling off until you you reach that point where you're staring at it until you're black in the face. So um, I don't know, blue in the face, excuse me. But yeah, I I think it's a difficult difficult situation that they would face in, in, in the event that happens, but time will tell. This league is so crazy, it's hard to hard to really get there. Well, you know, what is interesting is that, you know, if you get to that point, and even if, say it's two and six, I mean, then you go Saints, Broncos, Bears, Raiders, at the Bengals, a tough game, and then, you know, three huge games in the division. Um, It's not hard to believe. To me, this team is just too talented to be completely out of it, and I think that parity that you talked about, especially in a division like the NFC North, probably makes things quite interesting going down the rest of the way. we got to make some picks in a minute. Uh, any thoughts on uh, this 
divisional game tonight in Lambeau between the Lions and the Packers? Yeah, it's, I mean, these two teams are really fascinating, and they were always going to be, obviously, without Aaron Rodgers and with the hype around Detroit. And I think they both kind of probably lived up to, to the billing and the positive side that anybody on the outside probably could have hoped for. I, I do think Matt LaFleur is, is a really, really good play caller, and I think Jordan Love has shown an ability to see the field that probably has Packers fans pretty excited. I think on the flip side – um, I love what Ben Johnson, their offensive coordinator, is doing, and I think their their running schemes are about as diverse as possible. I, I, I think Detroit is probably the better team here, even though the Packers do have a lot of talent. But I'm really fascinated to watch it. I, 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 I mean, these Thursday night games end up kind of looking like a slog, I think, on most weeks, just be given the short week and the situation. But it should be fun. I think if I was Peggy, and I'd probably probably go Detroit. But I, I, I again. I do think Matt LaFleur deserves a lot of credit for what they've done um, offensively without Aaron Rodgers thus far. Hey, I got to ask you this. Um, um, I'm a big Chiefs fan, but I mean, obviously there's tons of Viking fans around here, tons of people that make the trip down. We've been talking to someone in the Vikings office and prior to last weekend, the Chiefs Vikings ticket was already one of the hottest tickets in the last decade, Hmm. Um, basically since the new stadium opened. What is the latest developments involving one Taylor Swift done to a ticket demand, a hype for that game? And uh, is everyone in the Twin Cities hoping that she's going to make it three in a row after reportedly showing up to see that? You know, and if you see the Bears and the Jets, you'd probably be guaranteed of a much better game, at least if she came to U.S. Bank Stadium in a couple of weeks. Yeah, I mean, she's played concerts at the stadium. She knows the environment. I think she's felt the love from this city. So I, I would expect... If that situation continues, her no, I I don't have any inside information. I got to be honest, I'm not on the Taylor Swift beat. I'm mostly just watching to see if Marcus Davenport is available for a game or not. That's that's really the extent of <laughs> my responsibility here at the Athletic. But no, I I um I hope she's there. I know other writers might be like, why would we want to add more uh, craziness to the event? But I, why not bring every bit of of insanity as possible. And uh, yeah, I, I think that'd be great. I, I uh, She played Dear John at U.S. Bank Stadium, and it was the first time she played that song in, I believe, like a decade. So there is some connection there that I, I wouldn't wouldn't count out um, if we're talking about next week. But it, it, I'm, it, it should be fun. The funniest thing is just the demand like for tickets. I think it's gone up about 50% to see Zach Wilson on Sunday night football <laughs> right now. And I'm convinced that this Sunday night, like if this actually does come in as promoted, she's there again. The TV number for that Sunday night football game will probably smash records. And the NFL already was the record setter. It is a, uh, what a world we're living in. It's a nuclear bomb combination of the two biggest entities, the National Football League and Taylor Swift, and it's unavoidable. Um, Alec, this was a lot of fun. Uh, hopefully we can do this again sometime. Uh, lots of love for you in the chat. Lots of Viking fans <laughs> around here. Um, we'll be in touch sometime, and hopefully we can do this again later on this season. But uh, really appreciate your work at The Athletic with all of your colleagues, and uh, thanks for doing this. Yeah, no, appreciate you guys. Thanks to the Vikings fans in Winnipeg. It's, I mean, I, when, when I was asked to come on, I was like, yeah, I, any time to connect with fans of a place that – um that is unique I, I'm, I'm all for it uh if anybody has questions has, don't hesitate i'm always always here to to answer whatever i have so no i appreciate you guys having me we'll do it again for sure well we just had our very good friend from the athletic marana tash who's on all the time talking jets and it's great to have a new member of the team jumping on with us from uh, from the twin cities thanks for doing this alec
Thanks, Andrew. Appreciate it. Good stuff. There's Alec Lewis. Check out his reporting on the Minnesota Vikings over at the Athletic. Um, all right. Uh, we got to get to Cool Bet Lines. Talk about this game tonight. Talk about the upcoming Ryder Cup. And of course, Ryder Cup means golf talk. We'll get into it a little bit more tomorrow after we'll have some results. Uh, but of course, a big shout out and thanks for an amazing season to our friends at Breezy Bend. Still time for a little bit of fall golf. But they're already getting ready for 2024 right now. If you are thinking about uh, maybe considering making Breezy your long-term golfing home for you and your family, talk to Corey Johnson right now or find out more at breezybend.ca about getting on the waiting list for the 2024 season. And hopefully we'll see you at Breezy. Um, <clears throat> before we get to Cool Bet Lines, talk a little bit of the Bombers. And again, the big news yesterday took a lot of steam out of a game that we'd been excited for for the last couple months. But have no fear, Bomber fans, because you're going to be getting there. Sold out crowd, amazing atmosphere. And just like we enjoyed a couple generics last night at Canada Life Center, our friends at Little Brown Jug, don't forget, are available at the stadium as well at IG Field. Um, you can find it at the hometown uh, concessions as well as the poutineries on both the lower level and the upper level. And uh, Little Brown Jug, great sponsors of ours. And now, no reason not to get the best when you're at either Jets or Bomber games now that Little Brown Jug is in both the stadium and the arena. <clears throat> Pop by and see them. William Avenue at the brewery and tap room. Still time for maybe a couple patio beers, although maybe not this afternoon. And uh, hit them up online as well, littlebrownjug.ca with local delivery options as well. All right, let's get Remus back in here. And uh, Reem, just, I mean, I know we've talked a lot of hockey. We just talked a little NFL right now. Uh, it is official. Chad Kelly listed as the third quarterback for the Argos tomorrow, which is a real buzzkill. But, hey, the Bombers need this one. They can worry about beating the Argos, hopefully, in Hamilton in November. And great news from a Bombers side of things with the depth chart out. Theadric Hansen coming back after that Achilles injury. First game since the Labor Day Classic in 2022. And maybe most importantly, that a bomber defense, Jackson Jeffcoat, is back. Yeah, big, big buzzkill on this game, but I guess the bombers need to win. So you can only play who's in front of you. Derek Taylor also noting Argos won't have three of their four best defensive players in linebacker Winton McManus. Uh, defensive back Jamal Peters and defensive tackle Sean Oakman, who I remember was very large in the Grey Cup last year. Um, you know, this is on the CFL. They got to, I think they can take some lessons from this where you got to schedule the Grey Cup rematch early. It should have been the first game of the year. Um, you know, the NFL knows what they're doing when they schedule the first game. Um, you know, you, I guess, you know, it's not their fault. They did have the Lions in it this year. They, Although it was a good game. Lions are an entertaining team. Who and who are they who are they playing? I don't even remember who they were playing. They were playing something good, were they not? They were playing the Chiefs, the Super Bowl champs. Yeah, so exactly. You have the Super Bowl champs uh, in the game. It was a great game. I do remember that one, but I don't know. They should have done this earlier. Although, like, who would have predicted the East completely sucks and and the Argos, you know, run away with it and have to rest all their guys for the final, you know, a couple, you know, final month. Of the season seems crazy, 
But uh, it, it sucks for all the fans, but I guess good for the Bombers. Although Doug Brown noted on Twitter, uh, Twitter yesterday, saying, hey, and, you know, the Bombers' record against, you know, young QBs that they don't have tape on. We do remember Crum earlier in the year and Jake Chad Mayer's Kelly start. in the Grey Cup. Uh, so, hey, it's not going to be a walk in the park, but the line is keep moving towards the Bombers if you're following that. So we're looking forward to seeing. I don't know. Can the Bombers put up like 50 for what, the third, fourth straight home game here? Uh, I'm proud. Probably not 50, but I think 40's a, 40's a nice number to they, get to. They've averaged like 49 their last like three home games. Yeah, 50 <laughs> against BC, 47 against Montreal, 51 against Saskatchewan. Can they keep it rolling tomorrow? Um, hey, Derek Schmidt was in chat just popping a quick fantasy question in. Who do I start, Goff or Jalen Hurts? Hurts. Yeah, you got to go with Hurts against Washington, the Commanders. Um, I mean, Goff's always capable of going up, but I like this. I'll be honest, I like this Packer team a lot. And we talked about this game extensively on the lock shop today. Dusty's a Lions guy. Of course, he's on the Lions. Patty was on the Lions as well. I'm actually going with the Packers as a home dog. Um, they're two point underdogs tonight, plus 115 on the money line. And uh, yeah, I'm going to take a little sprinkle on the Packers on that money line. Let's see what we've got here. Oh, we do have a couple of partner parlays. Dusty's got a Lions-based one. I'm on, as I said, I'm on the Packers. So I've got Packers money line, Aaron Jones anytime touchdown, and the rookie tight end Luke Musgrave over three and a half receptions. That one's coming in at plus seven seventy-five. Dusty, on the other hand, has a <laughs> Goff. Under three and a half rushing yards. <clears throat> Khalif Raymond over 21 and a half receiving yards. Laporta over four and a half receptions in Detroit Lions money line. And that one's plus 1225. <clears throat> so a big swing for Dusty in the ride with Dusty. And then we'll get to the we'll get to the uh, Ryder Cup in a minute. Uh, but we do have a partner parlay for the early round of Ryder Cup. Hatton Rom. Aberg, Hovland, Fowler, Morikawa, all to win session one matchup. That one is at plus uh, 470. Uh, but just back to the CFL for a minute. Um, Argos and Bombers, Bombers seven and a half point favorites. BC's laying 10 at home against the Riders in the late game tomorrow. And then two close games out east. Uh, Montreal, a two-point road favorite in Ottawa. And the Hamilton Tiger Cats, a very slight two-point home favorite against the Calgary Stampeders. But the week in the Canadian Football League gets going tomorrow. And, folks, it is a 7 o'clock start. I know we've had a lot of 7.30 starts so far this season. Just govern yourselves accordingly. Maybe get there a little bit earlier in the Princess Auto Tailgate Zone. Does open up at 5 p.m. All right, as far as the Ryder Cup goes, and golf guys know what a cool event this is i i'm a bit of a Ryder cup freak i got a chance to go and i had no idea in 2016 what i was getting into a buddy of mine won the <clears throat> excuse me won the lottery for tickets to the Ryder cup at hazeltine and went there and just had a i mean it was i don't want to say it was life-changing but i mean as someone that loves going to sporting events my entire life 
right up there with the coolest thing that I've ever been to and made a point to getting in the lottery for the 2020 Ryder Cup, won it, but then it was postponed, uh, but made it to Whistling Straits in 2021. So I'm really excited for this one. Uh, and what's amazing is that the U.S. had been a heavy favorite throughout the golf season, and yet right now USA is plus 120 to win Europe minus 105, a very slight favorite, and a tie is 11 to 1. So if you've been thinking the USA was going to win the whole time, now's the time to get on them at plus 120. Uh, maybe not as good of a number on Europe, but a lot of steam for the Europeans. There are four matches that are already set up. John Rahm and Tyrrell Hatton are going out first for Europe. They're minus 128 favorites against world number one Scotty Scheffler and Sam Burns. Ryder Cup rookie Ludwig Aberg and Vic Hovland are minus 147 favorites against Brian Harmon and Max Homa. Uh, Shane Lowry and Sepp Straka for the Europeans. Underdogs at plus 116 against Fowler and Morikawa at minus 143. And then Rory McIlroy, Tommy Fleetwood head-to-head -head with Pat Cantley and Xander Shoffley in the final match. R uh, Rory and Tommy minus 119 slight favorites over Cantley and, uh, and uh, uh, Shoffley at minus 103. All sorts of other options if you want. Top point scorer for the Euros, the Americans, top rookie. Check it all out at CoolBet. And again, if you haven't played a CoolBet before, you can use the promo code WST for a 100% bonus up to 200 bucks on your first deposit. Um, any thoughts on Thursday night football tonight, Reem, from uh, your perspective? Lions laying two in Green Bay against the Pack. Oh, um, in Green Bay? I think leading lines. I was just thinking about a couple uh, props that I... I was looking at Amon Ra over six and a half catches. I was in on that one. And uh, Christian Watson, uh, he's he's back from injury. Him and Aaron Jones. And I think I had Watson over like 30-something yards, whatever it is. Whatever it is on there. Uh, what do they have? Well, about 38 and a half yards. I pick Watson on the over uh, for that one. But uh, total, uh, I go uh, Lions. I don't know. Is Jordan Love going to be able to push the ball? down the field and keep up with this Lions offense. Do you have David Montgomery back? Yeah, you know, they're at home, but I think I'm, I'm leading Lions here. Uh, I don't know what Dusty's parlay, though. The Khalif, Khalif, Ronan Khalif Raymond and Jared Goff under three and a half. Those are some out there props for me. Yeah, <laughs> he was all fired up to put the under couldn't, three and a half Couldn't put good players? Yards. Like, he couldn't put any, like, skilled players in his prop? No offense to Khalif. Well, Laporta, Laporta's been, He's been good. I think he was targeted 11 times last yep. game. So I like that uh, we one. got both of those rookie tight ends kind of in our respective parlays. So if you're on the Lions, <clears throat> take a look at Dusty's. If you like the pack, take a look at mine. It's there in the cool bet exclusives. Uh, so uh, no hockey tonight, but we got some football. There's actually curling going on as well. Just a quick note on that. Speaking of cool bet. Uh, it's this, uh, I think it's the points bet invitational, you know, the curling Canada invitational. And it's just like round of 16 single knockout. So, uh, Mike McEwen, who's now, it's so crazy to hear him curling out of Saskatchewan. He's going up against Aaron Shlushinsky tonight. Uh, McEwen's a minus 133 favorite. Brendan Botcher is a minus a million favorite against a guy, Jacob Dobson, who is actually 70. A 70-to-1 underdog in curling. I've never heard of that before. 
Um, but that is exactly what uh, what we've got tonight. Glenn Howard, a favorite <clears throat> over Karsten Sturmey. And our buddy Maddie Dunstone, huge favorite, minus 333. Uh, the ladies playing tonight, Carrie Anerson. Carrie is what, minus 400 favorite over Kayla Skrillick. And Caitlin Law is a uh, minus 154 favorite over Clancy Grandy. Jen Jones was playing earlier today. Uh, you know, maybe we'll get those... Uh, those results for you as we uh, as we get going but uh wow wild to have curling, curling back and i believe these games are on tsn i see jones is up five four in the seventh inning right now rachel holman with a nice start as well up eight to one so uh we got curling back we just about got hockey back ream i was saying to a buddy yesterday after the game i can't believe how quickly september has just flown by like more so than any month this summer, it seems like we were just getting into September and bang, it's October next week and we're just about ready to drop the puck on the regular season. Yeah, getting ready for hockey season, you know, that baseball playoffs just around the corner. It's that great time of year where you have all, um, you know, all the sports, football, you know, Monday, Thursday. Uh, this is great. I'm having fun and I agree. It has blown by, although we've had some nice days. Um. Hey, we did have some hockey uh, breaking news here. I don't know if you saw this one, but uh, Andre Vasilevsky is going to be having back surgery for a couple months, so that's a bit of a blow. Uh, Kevin Weeks with the What's Up There NHL fans breaking news update. Underwent successful back surgery, expected to make a complete recovery in an 8-10 to 10 week time frame. Is this cap circumvention by Tampa Bay? Hustler? <laughs> well, not right now. Um, I think when guys have back surgery, much like I said with Mark Stone, it's uh, it is serious. So, who is even Tampa? Like, who the hell's playing for Tampa? It's been Vassy for so long there. I mean, I couldn't even tell you their backup right now. Let's see. Jonas here. Johansson is what I'm seeing on social media. I actually don't know who their backup is. It's been like what Brian Elliott and. Curtis Mackle. It was Curtis Maddows years ago. I think it was Brian Elliott recently the backup? Jonas Johansson, a Swede who he's got he had an entry level contract. Let's see. I'm in cap friendly right now. I never even heard of this guy, but he could be good for fantasy for the first bit. He could be if you need a goalie. If you need a goalie, yeah. Uh, okay, so he's just played some spot duty. He got into, oh, yeah, he's, he was with Buffalo, 19, 20, 20, 21, six games, seven games, uh, and then played for the Avalanche in 2021. Probably got picked up off waivers, I would imagine, for a couple seasons. Got into two games for the Panthers, and then I think was reacquired off waivers for the Avalanche and uh, got the backup job. So. Who knows, maybe they're in the market for a tender right now with Vasilevsky out for, um, well, looks like a significant period of time. Um, I can't wait to do NHL previews next next week um, and really dive into, I mean, listen, we're going to focus in on the Central Division and the West, but to me, Remo, the East is so fascinating and trying to figure out who's going to be out of the playoffs from last year and who's going to get in. I'm high on Ottawa. I'm high on Buffalo. Not so much on Detroit. Um, and I think Columbus is going to be frisky, though. That might be too big a jump to make in one season. 
but that that east like everywhere from like that sixth spot to the 11th spot to me is going to be really fun and i know there's a lot of talk in ottawa about needing to come out with a big big start and not get behind early and be playing catch up like they were last year yeah ottawa they had a great you know after the first month they were great but their first month really sunk them in the standings i mean what's going to happen to boston you lose bergeron and Krejci, and you have this record season last year and losing the first round. Uh, what's going to happen with them? Florida, too, they kind of, you know, almost backdoored into the playoffs and got ran a hot goalie. Are they going to be able to be the same in, in the Metro division? Well, did Pittsburgh and Washington miss the playoffs yeah. last year? Pittsburgh like, does made that a, happen again? No, they made a lot of good moves. I think they're in. New Jersey's taking a leap forward. There's, they're everyone's pick for, like, team of the future of the next the next 10 years, and I agree. Columbus is going to have a bounce back, but that's too big of a jump for them to get in. Although, you know, is Pascal Vincent a miracle worker? We'll have to wait and see. You know, for the West, and we'll probably get more into this next week, you know, it used to be, oh, the Central Division so hard, but to me, the Central Division kind of sucks now. Well, not to me, it does suck. I mean, they have Arizona, Chicago, uh, Nashville, you know, they've been trading away players this is pit, not the pits. central division of no. 16, 17, 18, and that, 19. And that's why, you know, the Jets have such a good playoff chance because they are better than those teams. But the knock on the Jets is, well, they're good to get good enough to get in the playoffs, but not good enough to be cup contender. But, hey, you got to get in and see what happens. And then this is last year's standings on the screen, but I still think they're in there. And the Pacific, they have some poor teams too. San Jose is going to be really bad. They traded away Eric Carlson, Vancouver. Like, they're, who knows what's going on with them? They, and Anaheim is bottom as well. So, uh, you know, like in the in your whole conference, that's like six teams that really have no shot at the playoffs. Now, maybe one of them, I see people in chat saying Arizona is going to surprise, but they're still not a playoff, not a playoff team. And I think for the Jets, I mean, that's a bonus. But the East, yeah, the East is a, is a, Grinder, as uh, Paul Maurice liked to say. <laughs> um, and, of course, speaking of the Ducks, Zegras still doesn't have a contract. Yeah, what's going to happen Drysdale there? doesn't have one. Shane Pinto doesn't have what? one. They so, don't have to sign those two guys? What are they doing? Yeah, it is, uh, it's a bit of a, a, a head-scratcher. But um, tomorrow will be a fun one on the program. We'll have Weaver jump on with us. We'll uh, break down, uh, obviously, tonight's football game, a little Ryder Cup, the latest from Winnipeg Jets practice, our, uh, an extended visit with Weeb's World. Hacksaw will jump on. We'll have marbles. It will be fun. Do not miss it. Um, thanks to everyone that joined us today. Great stuff. Really enjoyed uh, Alec from The Athletic jumping on to talk a little Minnesota Vikings and obviously great stuff on the Jets from the Athletics Murata Tesh and Brandon Rewicki from the Skates and Plates podcast. Um, folks, have a great evening. Tell a friend about WST. As I said, we are closing in on 10,000 subscribers. Uh, we just need a few more. And day by day, we're getting there. Uh, but if you can, we always appreciate the love and uh, the, uh, the referrals, if you will to uh, new listeners um, hit that thumbs up if you haven't already on your way out and uh, make sure you come ready for some marbles and some good Jets talk tomorrow and of course Bomber game day talk tomorrow uh, Ed Tate's going to join us as well to tee up tomorrow's Bombers Argos matchup to begin tomorrow's show that's going to do it for us thanks to all the sponsors that make Winnipeg Sports Talk happen every day 
Shout out to Michael Remus and all of you for making us a part of your day. Have a great one, folks, and we'll see you tomorrow on Marbles Friday. Oh, my God. Oh! Shut it down. Let's go home. Thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com.